Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What Are You Doing with the Go Ahead and Pop in Your DVD or Blurry of Night of the Hunter, the old one, the black and white one. Press play and press pause with the MGM logo fades to black. At the first frame you receive of all black, press pause. Let's I'll say three, two, one, unpause. At which point I'll press play. You'll press play. We watch the movie together in perfect sync. It's like any other commentary, except of course with four friends in your head. Your friends this week are myself as always, T. Christie, my friend Eddie, the Eddie Doty. Children. Curating this film, Michael Dorkman Scott. Hello. And Trey the Amazing Stokes. Yes. So as is often the case with these curated movies, I'm just going to throw it to the person who is curating it. But every now and then we do a movie where instead of it, all of us having like a whole thing about this movie, all yeah, Star Wars or something. It's like, you know what? You guys have to watch this movie and I'm going to recommend it to the audience and to you guys. And here we are, Eddie. Why Night of the Hunter? Uh, because regardless of whether you like it, regardless of whether or not you love it or hate it or completely indifferent to it, the one thing I don't think anybody can say, there has never been a film like this <laughs> and there never will be again. Like, I think that's, uh, with that said... Simpsons did it. That's what yeah. I'm saying, is that the... <laughs> the Lovecraftian-like tendrils in which this thing has influenced the most random collection of filmmakers and musicians and artists and informed some of their sensibilities uh, is undeniable. Uh, it's a creepy-as-hell movie. Uh, very rough around the edges aesthetically. Um, some of the worst aerial shots you'll ever see in your life. Yeah. Oh, but man. Before, there's some pretty bad aerial sta- shots in Little Mermaid. Before yeah. the stabilized gyro cam. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when it, it was, was so weird. Just, I'm watching it. I'm watching it, and I can't help my brain going I can fix that yeah I could totally I <laughs> was thinking five minutes yeah motion could, blur would be an issue but you could yeah. stabilize that somewhat. I could I could fix that in avid yeah. like in the stabilizer just but um this movie is it's uh how many dust bowl depression era fairy tale noir goth <laughs> movies yeah. are there none except this one okay yeah. um Career making perform- uh, career defining performance for pretty much everybody involved. Uh, for career ending performance for the for, kids for, yeah. and for the director. Uh, yeah. And we'll get into that. But Charles, as a, as a director, anyway. When did you first see this? Uh, Jesus, um, were you a baby? I wasn't a baby, but I was. <laughs> I hope I, I've told the story about how, like, when I was fourteen, I'm like, yeah, I want to see Vertigo, and my dad's like, uh, you got to wait a minute. Um, <laughs> when I was sixteen, I'm like, yeah, I want to see Night of the Hunters. Like, you really got to wait a minute um, because this you need you need to be in a proper state of mind i think i was like 23 when i finally saw this yeah uh and i watched this I, did, I didn't watch this with my dad I actually just watched it on my own like i i i saw it at like a video store and i just picked it up and i remember calling my dad the next day i'm like yeah i get what you're saying and then we had this great <laughs> discussion about it um i didn't really like it took it took me like a couple of viewings to like really madly fall in love with it but i could never forget anything I saw in it. Uh, some of the images I can never forget. And then over time I start reading, I start watching other films and I start listening to certain music and I start, I'm like, Oh shit, they're direct. Bruce Springsteen is referencing night of the hunter. What the hell? Jared the Leto. Hell? Jared Leto's <laughs> referencing night of the Well, fuck whatever. Yeah. But, I know, uh, right. Bat for lashes is like covers it and made a whole album about it. And, and uh, Spike Lee, like, and Drew McWeeney tells this great story about how he met Spike Lee in 92 and he went up to him and he said, like, so Radio Rahim doing the love hate thing. Was that Spike Lee being a fan of the mm-hmm. Night of the Hunter or is that Radio Rahim being a fan of the Night of the Hunter? And Spike Lee apparently responded, man, Radio Rahim doesn't know who the fuck Robert Mitchum is. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so you can't. Um, <laughs> Spike Lee went to film school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's just like uh, you. There's shadows of this movie everywhere. And um, it's beautiful and disturbing and awful and. Very few movies are all these things at once and stay with you and are worth talking about. I hadn't seen this movie and it's one of those Simpsons things where it's like once you see this movie, like a bunch of other references like, oh, oh, I get it. Wow. The whole world had this whole like inside joke. And I just now found out what the punchline is. Oh, this movie. Crazy. 
Yeah, I hadn't seen it. I had heard of it. I didn't know anything about it. And I was interested to find out when I was like doing my initial Google when Eddie's like, yo, dude, this movie. Uh, so this was like a kind of a flop when it came out. And yeah. then critically massive. And, and, then it, and then it like more than cult film in 92, they added it to the Library of Congress and said this is a historically or culturally significant movie. Yeah. That's that's 22 years ago. They were like, no, no, no. This is this has come so far from flop that now we have to put it in the library with movies like Citizen Kane. And well, it's a hell of a thing. That, that again, that's the, the description is not not. The word "great" doesn't yeah, appear not in good. that. It's like culturally go, significant. Yeah, the "let's all that's, go to the lobby" thing is. That's in that why. Same that's why library. Easy Rider is in there. It's like Easy Rider is by no stretch of the imagination, really, when you look at now a great movie, but as an influential movie that's significant in movie history, absolutely milestoney kind of movies. Yeah, and um, yeah, when I first watched it, it's weird because. We've done a lot of old movies on this show. I mean, not a ton, but we've done a bunch of them, especially <laughs> we movies. We haven't. Well, yeah, we've done like, you know, a handful stuff that I wouldn't have seen otherwise because I don't watch old movies as a habit because I'm an awful young person. And I've almost always liked the old movies that we've done. And this one didn't really hit me that strongly when I finished it. And I, I was like, there's something about this movie. Like I was feeling something like I was like, that, that, I can't stop thinking about this movie, even though I didn't really get much out of it the first time I watched it. So I started reading articles written about it and like Ebert's review and, and all this other stuff analyses and all that and, and the more I'm reading it's like god damn there's a lot this isn't maybe the most densely thematic movie I've ever seen because if you start picking apart like what are the through lines here there's 17 of them and they're all like really well thought out and now I'm about to watch it for the second time and I'm I'm so excited to watch it because now that I've kind of gotten a sense of so do you see what's going on with the hands and the right hand and the left hand and God and the devil and all this stuff? And then there's also this whole thing going on with women and with men and boys. And there's whole thing with like dolls and bodies and cutting open bodies. And, and it's it's dense with shit. And I'm, I'd like to think that I didn't read a review from someone who's just like doing Kubrick's a genius because of the angles stuff. And he was actually just like, no, this is the stuff that's actually in that movie. I don't know if you caught it. Uh, but it made a really compelling case. And I'm, I'm psyched to watch it because even though it didn't really hit me that hard the first time I saw it. I realized that it, in fact, did hit me because I couldn't stop thinking about it, and now here we are. So I'm, I'm psyched. Dorkman, you just like woke up <laughs> and watched this movie. Wow, that's amazing. Like that's last a- night, he threw a bachelor's party for our friend Ryan, and there was like a tower of beer. Yes, and like Moe and Shandon, and a, there was a gorilla, and it's, it's a long story. There was yeah. cheerleaders. Yeah, we'll skip all that part. And, his, and then he woke and- up like four hours later and watched Out of the Hunter and came over. Yes. And how you so feeling? You got the that's, a, that's a hell of a way to experience it. Yeah. So I'm I, like you were saying uh, about stories we tell. I'm like I'm not sure I gave it a completely <laughs> fair shake. Um, I mean I didn't hate it, um, but I'm watching it. You know, on on iTunes, it's like there's the poster for it, and it's you know him sitting there, and he's got hate on his knuckles, and it's like the scariest film ever made. And I'm watching it, and I'm laughing. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm like this is more of a comedy now to me. <laughs> yeah. There's a strong um, argument made for that. It's it's a kind of a very silly movie. It's cert- I you know, and, and you certainly have to give it the sort of things were more theatrical mm-hmm. in general in movies back then. You know, the performances and and the way things were shot. And um, I was struck. Yeah, I had to I do, like, my, I I had to do my 1950s calibration for yeah, how on the yeah. nose. When it I saw when I um I, I was struck, for example, with uh, Casablanca watching it being like. You would never get away with writing no. like this today. But you Casablanca know? is is widely considered one of the best scripts of all. Time. Right, right, yeah. and for for its Adjusted time and for it's, inflation. Yeah. yeah, and it's and it's very it, it is very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like Casablanca is very enjoyable, even though you go you are you cannot write like that anymore. Like, right, <laughs> you, right. you can't have people talking like that anymore because there are the great lines, but then there are the also the very 
on the nose. Yeah. Yes. Gone, like, Gone with the Wind as well. You yeah. watch Gone with the Wind, it's more like watching someone doing a revival of a stage play that was written in the yeah. 30s. You're yeah. like, wow, okay. But but still, I, I get that this works. Yeah. Well, Gone with the Wind is the screenplay equivalent of that like idiom about if you put a bunch of monkeys in a room with typewriters, <laughs> right. where it's like, yeah, well, when the movie's 35 hours long, the lines are going to vary in quality. But yeah. um, You're going to find a spectrum. However, I, I like you say, it's it's it is inconsistent aesthetically, but when you know, when they're on a soundstage that they can control as opposed to trying to do the flyover yeah. shots and stuff, there is some really gorgeous stuff. Yeah. I, I completely see how that would have hit people pretty hard. Like, wow, the, you know, the silhouette play and, and all that stuff. And the, the, um, I can see this being very influential in terms of kind of noir and that, that whole style. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see where that comes from. I'll be interested in, I watch, but I watched it and I went, this is uh this is not a movie that like you said it didn't it didn't strike me that hard like mm-hmm. I wouldn't have watched it and gone guys we got to talk about Night of the Hundred you know <laughs> yeah. so um so I'm interested in being part of the conversation but also finding out you what know, you missed finding out what I missed yeah and, yeah. and hearing uh what's going on <laughs> and and hoping hope hope hopefully uh, appreciating being able to appreciate it more. Uh, at the end of my Trey, you went to today. film school I harder did, than Mike did. I did. I went to film school very hard. Thank you very much. Um, and it's <laughs> so hard, you guys. It's interesting because I was just going to say that uh, just a weird how how those little early seeds that get planted or don't can can branch out through your through your whole life. Um, the way USC film school worked at the time, uh, whether it does now or not, I have no idea. Nineteen thirty-five, right? Yeah, exactly. This was in the. But yeah. It was just after this movie was made. D.W. Griffith um, was a professor. Yeah, David Griffith was still <laughs> teaching. I will. I mean, it is it is literally true that when I went to USC film school, most of my professors spent all their time telling us about that time George Lucas was in their in their class uh-huh. because they were all George Lucas's professors. And they um, all taught him everything he knew. Exactly. Well, we got to see some of his student films and it's like, wow, he was just as pretentious and awful as oh, the rest saw, of you, us. So you saw, you saw Look at Life. Yeah, we saw that. <laughs> yeah. We saw all those things. Uh, you know, we saw the original THX 11384EB, right. um, Electronic Labyrinth and, and all that kind of oh stuff. Oh, my God. So, so, and then something just fell. Huh. So, um, I don't get that. But the way it worked is the very first thing you did in film school was you had to take Cinema 190, which was the basically, okay, here's all of movies. And it's, it was chronological. Every week, you, you know, you'd see one, you'd see a movie every Wednesday night. And then, then the Thursday, there would be a class and you would discuss that movie. So, you know, we got a huge background in this kind of stuff. Um, and depending on whether it was the first semester of the year or the second semester of the year, the movies would change, but the genres generally wouldn't. So, like... The classic Western you would see first semester is Stagecoach, but the classic Western you would see second semester is Fort Apache. And the classic, <laughs> the classic or whatever one, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know, I did, the one I saw was Stagecoach. Right. Um, the, the, you know, the classic uh, gangster movie was Public Enemy first semester, but it was, and, but you only did, you know, each, as a student, you only did one semester or the other. You either took it in the spring or you took it in the fall. Um, and I think they just mixed it up just so the TAs and the professors didn't have to like talk about public enemy every damn semester they could mix it up and talk about stagecoach and then you know the other one so so there's this weird sort of dotted line of my history of classic movies especially back you know 30s through 50s because whatever ones were the ones in the cycle that i took 190 yes i've seen stagecoach i have seen public enemy but i've never seen you know, caged heat or whatever you know top of the world mod i've never seen that one but i've seen <laughs> right. but i've seen public enemy um you know with the grapefruit i, I know that one but i haven't <laughs> seen the one with the with the exploding uh, fuel tanks uh, i've seen stagecoach but i haven't seen a lot of other classic westerns and uh, i've seen uh, little little caesar i have not seen but i have you know i've seen public enemy so so cape fear was like the one that was in my cycle right 
and Night of the Hunter was kind of like, or it would have been Night of the Hunter. Right. Okay. <laughs> but but it wasn't. It Both was Robert. That's our Robert exactly. Mitchum. Exactly. It's like, okay, Robert Whit- Mitchum, noir, 50s, you know, dark uh, thriller. Um, this this semester, it's Cape Fear. So here you go, kids. Next, you know, if you come back next fall, you would have seen um, Night of the Hunter. So my whole life, Night of the Hunter, <laughs> never saw it because I don't need to see, I don't need to see Night of the Hunter. I've seen Cape Fear. So right. it's covered. Um, so... So in my mind, they've always been kind of mixed up together. That sure. you know, it's like, but I've been aware of the you know love hate. Yeah, Night of the Hunter. Yeah, directed by Charles Lawton. You know, I understand culturally without you know, I understand the gestalt of it without knowing what the hell the movie is or right. what it really is. So so yeah, it wasn't until it's was like okay, we're gonna do it on the show. I'll, all right, I'll finally watch Night of the Hunter. I feel like I don't even need to watch Night of the Hunter <laughs> because I know what you know significance of Night of the Hunter. But when I was watch it, so so it is one of those things where you watch it and go, wow. So this. This is this is the movie that has has echoed through film history ever since in its way. It's not the only one to do it, but it's like it's so weird. Like you know what a tiny pebble this really is when you look yeah. at it, versus how how big the ripples are in the water from it. It's like know. that whole the amen break in music. It's yes, like it, somebody it, wrote so that great. random little thing and nobody cares where it actually came from, <laughs> yeah. but everybody. Yeah, it's been the sample for how many hip hop songs? Yeah, the foundation of a whole culture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's amazing from that perspective, and and yeah, it's really it's funny. It's to look at fifties movies, uh, especially low budget fifties movies, and and see like, wow. I mean, this is like, I mean, literally, Asylum would not put out a movie this shoddy anymore because <laughs> from te- an aesthetic exactly because yeah. the technology is so much better. But even then, you kind of look at it and go, wow. Did you like seriously? You thought that edit worked? I mean, <laughs> no. you know, seriously. And and you know, just we're just more media savvy. It's been right. you know it's been sixty years. We're more you know we're more attuned to media in general. You know it's like people were just starting to watch television when this movie was being made. So so you know we're far more media savvy. So it's it's you have to you have to put those goggles on to get through a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Cool. You're at the point where the MGM logo has faded to black. As we are here, put your finger on the button. Three, two, one. Um, pause. Okay, but I'm glad I'm not the only one on the couch that's kind of like, eh. So, <laughs> no, and, and to be completely so, clear, yeah, yeah, I was, Eddie, your team leader. To be completely clear, I was kind of eh the first time I saw yeah. it. I obviously saw the influence, but there's many movies that are like that, yeah. like Throne of Blood. I was kind of like, eh, the first time I saw it. But then, yeah. like, you see over time, like, I'm like, like, for me, Seven oh. Samurai is like, okay, I get it, but I don't right. love the movie, but okay. You know. the, the big thing that I think is kind of like a, one of the keystones to kind of understanding this, um, it plays heavily in myth and the power of myth. And the sort of how myth is at one hand necessary while to just and a byproduct of human existence and understanding, but also how myth can basically twist the worst parts of us into something greater and grander. Um, And because we start off with these, we bookend the movie with these weird ass like into camera in the sky talking that always strikes me as like an afterthought that's one of those things like later they kind of which i may be wrong or right about it it it, it, it always strikes me like no we need some kind of you know framing story this was baked in the cake this was uh uh, i'm oddly impressed by the by the quality of the optical though yeah when it when when she like fades up i'm like she's not transparent at all you can't see any of the stars now if you're if you're um a couple of really quick things here charles lawton uh was a very famous actor from the roughly the 30s uh he had been in he was quasimodo in 
in um, Hunchback of Notre Dame. He was uh, married to Elsa Lanchester. Yeah, Mar- yes, Brian Frankenstein. Brian Frankenstein, and he was um, Captain Bly in the Mutiny yeah. on the Bounty. Yeah, he was a famous, actor. very famous actor. Oscar nominee, if not. Yeah, he he had he had won, I think. He had won, I yeah. think, for uh, Mutiny on the Bounty. But um, and Lillian Gish, a very very famous uh, silent, silent film star, actress. Uh, and also worked. She was one of the primary muses of D.W. Griffith. Who, I mean, if you understand just the basics of German expressionalism, uh, it's all over the face of this movie. Yeah, <laughs> like it's yeah, nothing but like, German expressionism. It's funny. It's like looking at Lillian Gish. It's like it's like just picture in your mind any silent movie you may have ever seen where a young girl with big curly hair. That's Lillian Gish. Right. <laughs> the person uh, you're just thinking about. That's her. Right. So that's and this. Uh, yeah. The the. The thing that they do, you know, the cultural awareness that I have from film school of Night of the Hunter is like, what do you need to know about Night of the Hunter? Love, hate on the knuckles, uh, film noir, German expressionism. Yep. That's that's your that's your crib notes version of Night of the Hunter. Um, and the German expressionism thing is I, I am to this day fascinated by German expressionism. I love the transition from, from yeah. location to, to stage. And then here. back to these but, weird aerials yeah. again, like back to this God's eye view that Lillian Gish, she's, I mean, she plays a mortal woman in this obviously, but she also has like a double role as like the Greek chorus in, in some ways of yeah. like helping us get to here. And it's funny how it's, when you look at a movie like this, it's like, yeah, it's always mentioned that it's, you know, uh, that, Charles Lawton was very much influenced by German expressionism, which that's like now you're talking like Cabinet of Dr. Caligari yeah. and Nosferatu and things like and Nosferatu, oh. yeah, maybe not. Oh yeah, you see Nosferatu, yeah. but, uh, but, a lot. but M and, and you know the idea of the shadows and the light in the shadow. That's all about you know that's all German expressionism, um, which you know we God knows we got that in film school and that's right. Great. And and to this day, I'm fascinated by. Um, I I love working in black and white, and I love that you can suddenly just jump into a stylized thing if you go in black and white, because people just sort of are okay with it that you couldn't do in a color film or people right. will have a hard time. But I, I look at a movie like this and it's interesting how you can't, it's like, okay, the way it looks to our modern eyes and the rough edges of it and the way you go, not only do they not do that anymore, they never did that. Nobody ever did that in movies. Right. That was not a thing you did in movies. Right. And Without getting into a complete in-depth study, of course, I have no way of knowing is like, was Charles Lawton an amazing visionary or, or did touch? he just have no idea what he was doing? And uh, go, I don't know. At, uh, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it kind of doesn't matter because yeah. it's like it's at the end of the day, we're given some of these images. Um, Stanley Cortez was the DP of this. He was the DP most famously on Magnificent Ambersons. He said towards the end of his career, uh, there were exactly two directors he knew who knew exactly how to manipulate or knew exactly what to do with light and shadow. One was Wells and the other was uh, Charles Lawton uh, for this film. Hey guys. This, yeah, so you're seeing the hate and pretty soon here you're going to see an extraordinarily phallic uh, switchblade. Guys, the knife yeah. is a boner. Yeah, I, obviously, yeah. The, extraordinarily. The, the knife is a boner, you guys. Which kind of leads me, and you're going to see a lot of this overt like sexual you know, imagery here, uh, which kind of leads me to my point that I didn't arrive at Initially, it took me a while to kind of. This is an incredibly pro-feminist film. When you when you think of it, like all of the, um, or at least anti-male in the sense of like stop stop doing that. Exactly, extraordinarily anti-male and extraordinarily like to hit you know in in a lot of ways. uh, Yeah, I would. I would would say there's there's an issue with the fact that that the main woman in the film just. It's like yes, dear. Absolutely, I'll, I'll take whatever abuse. I think you she's. Want. I think she's a criticism. She, well, but she's. Yeah, but that's not a woman thing. She's not presented as like yeah. the good way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, she's. 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 Her she's, character is idiot. Yeah, not, she's a byproduct. She's a byproduct yeah. of her uh, of her initial marriage. She's a yeah, byproduct so. of the and time. the society she's in, which and, you very much see as the you know the. Yeah, and this movie, make no mistake, is an extraordinarily biting critique of the Rockwellian image 
of what America was at the time. Like you see, I mean, anytime you listen to the townsfolk talk, um, they're just presented as idiots and buffoons. And and you and Mike, you mentioned like the like it kind of comes across as a comedy. That's I think part of that's by design. Mm. Like both preacher Harry has these incredibly oafish moments throughout the film but so does the town the town is far more concerned with bake sales and yeah. get-togethers and well, revivals yeah it's than- literally i mean I'm, I'm i'm sitting there cracking up because you know he's about to the, the whole plot goes in motion because he's he shares the prison cell with with preacher harry and, yeah. and all of that and then he's they hang him they execute him and it goes from the kids pissed off you know the the kids mourning their dad who has just been hanged and the yeah. other kids are, are hang, singing, hang, a, singing huh? a song yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, ha, ha, and you're it, a dick. Your dad's dead. And he walks down the block and in like the ice cream shop, the old lady is like, so when are you getting married again? And it's like, yeah. what? She's, yeah. and it's not even cold, the body, this right? This yeah. messed up town. I was just shocked because I was like, oh shit, it's Peter Graves. Peter Graves. Which I was like, you know, to me, Peter, it's funny how I have my own context. It's like Shelly Winters to me is the old lady from the Poseidon adventure. Yes. And I have no context <laughs> for Shelly Winters pre- prior to that, except for kind of a half of a viewing of the miracle worker. Right. But, um, are you, you know, going to say airplane next? And make no mistake. She's these not kids, in airplane. No, Peter Graves. I, I, I can say, I can say this because I'm, I'm a dad now. These kids are not good looking kids. No, like, these are these weird, especially the girl. Wow. Pie faced. Yeah. Spacey loopy kids. And, and that, I think that plays to their strengths as characters. Now, Peter Graves is mission impossible. Duh. Yeah, uh, for me, um, he's, the, uh, yeah. he's the lead of Mission Impossible, um, and peripherally after that, you know, in reverse context, he was also in them. But yeah. uh, you know, giant ants, check yeah. it out. <laughs> but um, Leonard Nimoy's in it, y'all. But uh, so yeah, it was kind of like, and then, oh, and there's Shelley Winters. Okay, great. All right, she, she went on to do the Poseidon Adventure, among other things, and being nominated for Oscars. But that's not part of my context, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that's <laughs> fine. Um, right. You know, it's like I just remember the post, you know, Oscar years for Shelley Winters. So. So here's here's a very this is where you when you talk about expressionism this courtroom shot which yeah. I, I like that it repeats because it's one of the more one of the nicer little bits of of shorthand storytelling where you know in in five minutes Mitchum is going to appear in front of this same or uh, you know yeah it's Mitchum yeah. is going to appear in front of the same judge and and you instantly go oh and they're going to meet in prison you you know the movie tells you just by a shot mm-hmm. what's going to happen next which is cool. Now I didn't go to film school. What in in a, in a sentence? What's what is going <laughs> this on? Is, with, yeah, this is so nuts. This is and the comedic. And then, and then, the, and then what happens next is even better. What is the sort and, of and you know points to, points to Mitchum? That's nice awesome. move, dude. Yeah, nice fall. <laughs> and this is something we noted about Harry. Anytime he's confronted with another man, he folds like an umbrella and is beyond a pussy. Yeah, and yet he's such a menacing terror to women and children. That's the thing. Yeah. He's only, he only his, his victims are women. Yeah. He, and, he, he, a man can stand up to him and he'll back down. But, it's like but, the, the movie in, in, in a lot of ways has sort of like a fairly even handed view of, you know, American fundamentalist Christian, uh, Christianity. I, I'm really, I was also blown away by like, wow, it's like, it feels like, Hollywood's Christians would be crazy, yo, is like, you know, a In modern 55. thing. A modern thing is like, no, it's, wow, this movie was even then going. And I think, I think, well, he's specific, he, he never really says he's Christian. Even, well, yeah, even he's just, just, he's just obviously just yeah. using, but he's, he's wrapping pre- himself in that mantle, yeah. you know, and, to justify his own shit. Which, yeah. and I think I was, and, and, you know, Teague actually was in the middle of a question that didn't want to get back to, but, but I, I, I was really kind of struck by that because I don't think, I've just been uh, one of the things that worries me, and you know, I'm not the only one to say this about our modern society versus then is we're so polarized now that 
if you present this kind of character in a movie now, there's going to be that 8% of people who would just go, eh, Hollywood hates Christians. In the movie like this in the 50s, because, you know, and I'm almost from the 50s. I'm, you know, 10 years later, I was walking the planet and watching yeah, movies. Yeah, actually, really good. What religion do you profess? Pre- yeah, yeah none, none in particular. Me, yeah. I think, you know, a, a person could watch that without that polarizing thing that we all have to be now. You'd watch this movie go, yeah, some people claim to be Christians and are fucking crazy. And a Christian could say that and not right. feel like, you know, they were betraying their yeah. their people. That I mean that's that's the the whole intro of the the thing the whole opening narration is false prophets. there are people who are going to say that they're doing it you know for god or whatever and they're not that right they're now. just doing it for themselves and that's yeah, they will the use the layout. rhetoric and, and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Teague, you were asking about film school well, just, i never went to film school what is so german in a, expressionism in a sentence yeah what is german expressionism sort of referring to is it a, like a time frame in germany or is it a style of filmmaking or what is it it's a little of both it's 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 a style that emerged from a specific time in a specific place. Yeah, it started. Know. It started from the silent era in Germany, like like uh, uh, Metropolis. Metropolis is German expression. You know, in, in your in gotcha. Metropolis and, and Nosferatu uh, and Nosferatu and uh, Cabinet Doctor Caligari. Um, sort of that's like the Trinity yeah picture yeah. picture those three together but it get carried through into the sound era I mean with uh, in the early talkies uh, Germany um, and German directors you know in the great diaspora during the war that came over here yeah. they came over here you know like Fritz Lang and so on and, and other classic movies that you have heard of but no one's ever seen anymore like M and and things like that where you know Peter Lorre came over mm-hmm. and you know he was a German you know actor who came to America and and that style carried over um, and it lends itself to early movie making because it's very stagey. It's usually about finding a shot with some kind of, you know, extreme sort of feel to it, whether it's extreme light and extreme dark or extreme camera angles or everything is very skewed and, and it's, it feels very stagey. Um, like and this. Like, and like actually. painterly. Yeah, very, very, painterly, yes, very, exactly. an, very angular, a lot of hard, hard shadows. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, they play a lot with depth. Um, is it an aesthetic thing or is it also part of like the screenwriting and, and how the story is told? More, I would say it's more aesthetic than, than story-wise, yeah. but I could be wrong. How would it distinguish some... itself from the sort of prototypical noir look? There's uh, a lot of crossover. It sounds like noir borrowed direct a lot. Influence. Yeah. Yeah. There's direct influence a lot, a lot of noir filmmakers. I mean, uh, <coughs> what noir? does the third man not do that makes it it's not German Expressionism? Ex- German Expressionism is pushes the stylization to the point of being like un- it's, it's unreal, breaking. not right. real anymore. I Noir see. is more about just general tone. Aesthetically, you can get the, it'll help lend itself to that, but it's also the story and the characters. Noir is, is fleshed out by sort of characters that are in you know murky moral tones, uh, which is why this do, this does qualify as a noir. By the way, this is this is why I say it's a dust bowl noir because it's not in the inner cities. You're not up, you know it's not the third man where you're racing through. Yeah, uh, city this should be alleyways. happening in tenements in New York yeah, City, but it's it's happening in in rural. Where, uh, it was Virginia or uh, no South Carolina, right? Uh, it's it's in rever- it's in rural. You know the dust bowl like during the Depression era, so it's it's hayseed noir is another way of putting it <laughs> but and that and so but again and that's to me what's so interesting is that you can look at a lot of Rock, uh, norman rockwell paintings and you're essentially seeing the same thing but the second you go inside of a house the angles are skewed like the the sizes of the houses on the inside do not at all match up with their exterior like every 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 little like conceived you're just skewing into cubic as a genius territory there but it sounds like what you're saying is that every sort of like authorly subtextual thing that Norman Rockwell is doing with his paintings is saying safe 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 yeah well this is doing the you know Rockwell shit you got that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. cool not safe not safe not safe it's like all the buildings are a little bit like where am I ish I guess it's, it's satirizing it to Reaching. a large degree. There's a lot again. There's there's a large a, a, a heavy element of satire to this because they are sort of satirizing that 
you know that cl- I mean this is essentially the era that you know Walt Disney sort of treasured uh, except for, you know yeah. in, in, in Missouri uh, but this is you know much the same thing that he celebrates is the same thing that they're saying okay if you if you just rip off one layer you've got Cthulhu underneath it you know it's <laughs> it's you've got this sense of growing dread and evil uh, you know again to get you know Pauline Kale in her review of this she said Oh, okay. So I thought the movie stopped for a minute. Yeah. Um, Pauline Kael in her review said that this is arguably one of the most, you know, scariest movies ever made. Not in a jump out and boo you, but just this undercurrent. Like if you are sitting in one of those games where they run a current through you and you just sort of feel it and it starts to feel like an itch that runs through like the length of this. It's constant ominous predatory yeah, and, stuff. And you're not even aware of it half the time, but like by the time the movie kind of over, you're just kind of not happy. Um, you know, and, and it uses a lot like it, of the daytime images sort ha. of play in opposition to that. In and the chat, guest says uh, Reverend Powell is sort of like the original Slender Man. Hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he is he, in that he's like a mythological. We'll get more into that during the riverboat scene, like in sort of how he's essentially the slow moving juggernaut. If you're a woman or a child. Um but if you're a man, you could take him out with a you know one one clean shot. You know, I mean that's the thing. He's never he's never a threat to to a ma- to an equal. He's only this. He's like this, mo- and that's why he's a monster in plain sight because right. he's only a monster to half the population. Yeah, that's that's what predators are. Yeah, right? exactly. predators don't go against bigger game right. than themselves. Right. They right. go against what they can take down. So that's okay. Like that is German Expressionism one hundred and one. Yeah. That that shadow imposing and you know much larger and exaggerated sizes in and, in a way that it was physically impossible yeah exactly like he's not that size but obviously it plays to a theme yeah. and uh leaning on the everlasting arms the hymn that he sings over and over again throughout this uh and he sings it wrong he sings it wrong she sings it right at the end yeah, he's exactly. singing it wrong and he's putting his exactly. own spin on it that makes it all cryptic that's one of my favorite that's the scene i posted in the forums because we'll get, we'll talk about that scene when we get there but that's one of those cool things that the movie does so and again, you know, that's you guys not want to make a black and white movie. No, I want to make a black and white. movie. No, I, do. I love making black and white movies. It's my favorite thing. I, I, I would I would love I just don't think I possess the skill to do that. Like, I don't I, I don't have confidence in my own ability to pretend like I know what I'm it doing. It is a certain kind of thing. I mean, yeah. you know, it's 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 to do it correctly. It's not just a matter of, as we've said, turning off the hue and saturation and taking yeah. it down to zero. There's a whole other thing to it. There was a movie. I, I, I did a sizzle reel for a director, a quote, the gigantic air quotes you can find uh, documentary director uh, he had made a narrative feature I'm not going to name him I'm not going to put him on blast but I had, he had made a narrative feature before that was like an environmental thriller and he's like the first thing I did was I, ma- I wanted to make it black and white because like oil is like this deep crushed black I want to just push the black and crush the black and I'm like basically you didn't know what the fuck you were doing and you're reverse <laughs> engineering your excuse yeah. uh, and it was awful because it's so easy to screw up black and white yeah. And again, 1955, most movies were in color. This was a yeah. choice. This yeah. was not, you know, he had. And they the were option. also in a different scope. <clears throat> yeah, th- yeah. Three by four, folks. Uh, yeah. Say what you want about but it. But the look of this, I mean, one of the things, one of the reasons why an average color shot that you might just grab and go, I like to make this black and white. Just taking the color away doesn't do it because look at this. I mean, we're in, right, right now we're in an interior mock-up, but we were just in an authentic exterior where it's a daylight exterior and the shadows are pure black. Yeah. Which, you know, that's <laughs> that's that's a that's a very specific yeah. interesting strange look yeah. to be in broad daylight and still have completely black shadows in wherever the sun isn't hitting. Not to mention that when you're working in color, you might not even notice it and in fact you probably haven't if you've never tried to do black and white stuff. 
you are getting color contrast for free that separates your parts of the frame around in a way that you get for free. Like, I know that those guys are over here and that's back there because they're different shades or different saturations. You have to actually shape your contrast in black and white. I want to talk about the story here for a minute because, again, this this isn't just an indictment about Harry Powell's misogynist. It's basically saying most of the world... Are, it's blatantly calling out the world on its misogyny in a lot of ways because he comes in and he's like, I haven't seen you in a, in a, in a coon's age, boy. Uh, he's like, I've been minding Pearl, my little sister. And he's like... And he's like, yeah, of course she's gonna put that burden on you. It's like it's yeah. your little sister, man. Yeah, really? like, and then, Chicks be crazy. And yo. then he, d- <laughs> and he and he's talking about his dead wife being gone twenty five years. Like, yeah, twenty five years. She still stares at me. Picture down. Yeah. Like it, it's it's got a. Re- it's got. Well, then there's the flip side. The, the line that blew me away is coming up where uh, at the at the picnic at the you know. Oh, it's a picnic. You can't get more Rockwell than that. It's a picnic by the river. <laughs> and there's that woman, the old the old woman who's just our pure comedy relief person. She goes, I just lay back and think about my. Kids. Canning. Yeah. I was like, whoa! Yeah. She just, that's all wow. she That's all I'm reduced the, the to. Movie just, the movie just went there. I right. mean, it's like, that's pretty, that, you know, like, like, that's like only a slightly less than probably something that Seth MacFarlane put into A Million Ways to Die in the West <laughs> in terms of like a, a, yeah. a line. I was like, wow, they actually got that one right through in 1955. That's and I love crazy. this. I, I resigned from the penitentiary yesterday. Like he's, <laughs> yeah. uh, he, he was working with them. Um, there's a you know keep an eye on the interactions with pearl uh and the preacher throughout this it's it's very thinly veiled that there's an element of pedophilia going on uh this oh, bit think this bit <laughs> made this bit made very famous and do the right thing except radio rahim has those two four knuckle rings mm-hmm. that's a love and hate and instead of like wrestling with each other it's boxing it's a hell of a piece in the beginning um i had a friend do a documentary where he tried to get his characters to reenact this bit as part of the story. And I'm like, why did you do that? He's like, well, you see, it's very famous. And I'm like, no, 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 I've I've seen that. Why are you doing this? Why is, why are you invoking it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and do the right thing. It absolutely makes sense to that scene and that story and that character and that other shit. Uh, And it's a nice little in joke for the 10 people who have both seen at the time, do the right thing. And I, the hunter, but, um, but you know, it, it obviously play. It, I mean, it's such a dramatic revival preacher style thing to do, and for small town folk, it's extraordinarily captivating. And look, she's like, "Oh yes, that's lovely." Yeah, and um, he's a man of God. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I see a lot of like my grandma he's and some of these people because they were yeah. yeah, they were from exactly. And that's the thing. Um, there are elements of you know some of the Coen Brothers stuff and Oh Brother that you can see a little bit of influence of some of the stuff in. Like they obviously play it more for mirth, like some of the satirical elements of the South, but how it's depicted. But he's some, bonafide. Some of the performances of some of those background characters in Oh Brother, like you can see some of the influence of this on it. Coen Brothers have talked at length about their love of this movie and, you know, how how this uh, most notably the remake of Cape Fear, which I know is not the Coen Brothers. It was Scorsese. But uh, the remake of Cape Fear, they blatantly talk about how De Niro looked more at Robert Mitchum in this movie than he yeah. did in the original Cape Fear, which Mitchum also played. So it's weird. Did you ever see the uh, there was a remake of this? It's like a major for TV movie in like the early 90s, I think. Yeah. With a uh, Chamberlain, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I never I, I was I tried in vain to see if I could find nope. that on the yeah. Internet. <laughs> nope. You know, there I, are some you know, we're talking about how like when you store all your shit on hard drives, man, we don't have any like in 100 years. We're not gonna be able to open any of our files. We think we're writing our history and too much of it. But in fact, we're not gonna be able to keep any of this shit. That's a whole movie that's gone now. Like it just doesn't exist anymore. I remember yeah. I remember when it came on TV in 91 um, and my dad uh vhs taping it 
as he was wont to do with all of you know uh, American movie classics at the time. But when he came on, yeah, I remember he taped it. Like when AMC used to show American movie right. classics. Yeah. Uh, but back then, uh, Night of the Hunter was extraordinarily oh, hard to that find. That's that stands for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was extraordinarily hard to find on VHS and, and stores. My dad looked for it for quite a bit. And I remember him being like, oh, cool. They, yeah, we'll see how the remake is. And I remember him getting viscerally angry yeah. at the remake. I can't and imagine like, a 90s TV version of yeah. this being anything like this. It, from, what, from what he, I mean, from Starring what. Starring Madonna. The not little really, I remember really, yeah. of it, and I didn't really have the context of it, it just played like a TV, like a true crime, like she cut off a man's penis and now she's on the run. Like it was that kind of tone to it, you yeah. know. It was, yeah, and I, I guess it's probably common knowledge for anyone who knows what this movie is, but it is based on a true story. Yeah, there was a preacher yeah. named Harry Powers, uh, Powers, Powers yeah. who um, killed several women and children through the South, and he was a and he was a preacher, or he at least poses. And, and there's a, a photo of that motherfucker on Wikipedia, and he's he is creepy. a terrifying. Yeah, guy. he's a creepy yeah. motherfucker. He's got those like he's got those bright blue Paul Newman eyes that when you photograph them in black and white, it's just like ah! yeah. They're, they're they're like white, right? Shining, yeah. Yeah, they're brighter than the sclera. Yeah. Me, 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 me. Shelley Winters does a lot of good stuff with not a lot of screen time. Did this. she just look in the camera? <laughs> I don't think it's she was just like, hey, oh, Shelley. Well, and that's thing. Um, if you ever watch, there's a documentary called Charles Lawton directs Night of the Hunter, and it's like ten minutes long. Uh, but it's a basically like outtakes of him running through with some of the the actors, their roles. He's not what we would consider on a technical level, a good director of actors because he's just constantly screaming at them and like, not screaming, <laughs> but like he's giving them constant direction over and over and over again and having them run takes a million times over. And he's very much I mean, he's he's trying to perform it himself, essentially. Yeah. And and so he's not in, in many ways, but he for whatever reason, I think he gets the performances that this film requires if that makes sense it's not what you would consider great no none of the performances are are like oscar worthy performances of best actor with the exception of mitchum maybe but um i think the kids are appropriately scared and frightened and disoriented throughout most of this i think shelly winters is got that right level of exhaustion from a woman in her station yeah. at the time um and you know it's just like it's kind of like her marrying harry is basically saying like yeah, I should probably sit down and put my feet up. Like it's that level of just relief of just <laughs> right. like one less thing to worry about. You know, she. It's more like she does fall in I love with them. I love the bit with the with the fried chicken. He's, she's like, I just the the line. I just lie there thinking about my candy. And he's like, Well, I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah, in <her>. <laughs> ooh, <laughs> TMI. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, but yeah, the um. The, the, there is I mean we'll get more into it later her repressed sexuality and like mm -hmm. how it's just bubbling under the surface of how she yeah. like is just yeah. desperate to get laid and like you said here's this lady as the voice of you know the chorus which is the world that the Shelley Winters lives in is like you know but yeah women who actually want sex they're, they're that's terrible awful. people that's woo no, why would she want to marry for companionship yeah, she's no, got kids to worry about no you need a man to take care of you because that's how it works so there you go yeah and Charles Lawton was a Brit and uh, we should talk about the script for a second in terms of you know we keep talking about the writing uh, Steve Gee wrote this. He was a pretty famous writer, but at this point, he was ass deep and a, a quivering with cleanliness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that line. That the line, and then she just turns and walks out. Yeah, like, frame. Right. Yep, but if if that's if if that is indeed deliberate, then it's like okay. I've, I'm already deciding that this movie is actually genius. If yeah. these, if these no, are deliberate that's, choices, that, that's an absolute, absolute deliberate choice. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm quivering. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's like, oh my god, I'm getting sex soon. This yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Um, but no, but the, you're uh, saying this script. The yeah, script. Uh, so Stephen Gee is the credited writer, but he was 
really badly deep into uh, uh, what would eventually be a fatal bout of alcoholism. Mm. Uh, so he turned in the script. Um, uh, Charles Lawton said it was the worst thing he ever read. Uh, <laughs> he loved the book and commissioned the script to be you know, made from that. And the the basic thing is that Charles Lawton essentially rewrote the script from page one uh, and, you know, let Steve Geek keep it. Steve Geek ended up dying two months before the movie came out. Um, so there's been that great historical debate of how much influence uh, of the script Steve Geek actually it came had. up. It came up in, uh, I, I was, I, you know, scanned the, uh, the IMDb right. trivia just to have something about it. And, and it mentions that they've, they discovered a draft Oh, uh, okay. apparently they've discovered wow. like a first draft of whenever the word discovered is used in this context. I, like the arc of the covenant theme always plays right. in my hair. It's like, nah, <laughs> no, it's, it's nah. yeah. Some somewhere they, they found it. Yeah. <laughs> they, well, they probably thought, you know, the script was just gone. You know, it's not in somebody's like, it's not yeah. in Dropbox or anything stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so, but they, f- they found a, a draft and it was, it's 293 pages. Woo. Jesus Christ. And, uh, <laughs> night of the hunter, day of the hunter. Yeah. It's week of the hunter. Dawn of the hunter. Obviously Leaping vastly overwritten. Yeah. But according to, you know, the, the people who have analyzed it, they're like, he he wrote way too much and way too flowery to say what he was trying to say, but this is the movie that got shot eventually. Okay. So okay. we could have gotten the same movie by shooting the script and then editing it. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, huh. it's so I'm sure I'm sure you know. I mean, I'm not I'm not an expert on that, but that's apparently what was I determined. I, I, gen- I generally trust that. I mean, I Stephen was a good by writer. Howard Carter I f- before I forget, he was killed. Yeah. I forget his other yeah. credits, but he I mean he was he had been around. He had been a guy, and so he had he had written a lot of stuff in this time. It's just by this point he had sort of. Kind of gone off the rails. Obviously, the last thing he ever wrote. But this conversation again: How stark are you going to get? This is a much. I, I and I have to say, the uh, we're watching the Criterion Blu-ray. Um, this is a much more a much starker transfer than I rented it on iTunes. Definitely not as high contrast. Yeah. Like there was just then there was practically just just an edge on uh, the kid's you know face, but you could see yeah. into. Yeah. his clothes on, on iTunes. And I just and, love this look. I mean, I, it's, yeah. it's this look is is just my favorite kind of look. I just right there. Well, just the whole movie. I just love yeah. the, the just the hard. Oh, I thought you meant the look. He no, was the, the, no, the uh, the the visual. Okay, look. we're seeing it a little the bit. Filmic better, look, you know, the filmic look changed. Just uh, <laughs> just that, that amazing range of yeah. of white to black, mm-hmm. but you know, but w- weirdly narrow in its way. Where you know, it's like it only feels like this about five steps from white to black. Yeah, right. That uh, it's almost posterized. Yeah. Look at that tie. That fucking tie. That's a good tie. <laughs> he he actually man looks, knows what he's doing. He wears a tie he like looks that. A little, <laughs> he looks a little bit like uh, baby Christian Bale. Uh, yeah, really. To be honest. And this girl looks like those pictures of Victorian babies who were already dead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she's actually she's actually from Mars. Uh, no, I mean, yeah. but she is this weird little. I alien think she's creature. cute the way she talks, though. I yeah, do think she, it's weirdly. She, cute. Oh, here, oh shit, getting all dolled up for your yeah, big yeah. sex night. Yeah, yeah this go. is a. Gotta get this over with. Here we go. Now look oh, at her. She's straight she's up touching her own breasts. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, hey, 50s. This, is, this is not something normally done in the 50s. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think it, it's, like, it should be like this amount of discussion of like a woman. Well, actually it's also it's just interesting that wanting there sex. are there are shadings of, you know, oh, you can't put that in a movie that have changed. And there are things that you see in 50s movies where you go, I can't believe they did that because yeah. we don't do that anymore. But it's like, but it's a different. You know they have a different take about it. Right. You know, there's some. There's some. Th- I honestly believe there are some things in this movie where if you'd make it now on and put it on script page, it would get notes coming back like, eh, yeah. let's not do that. Yeah, right. we tend to think of the previous generations of filmmaking as same as now, just less of everything. No, it's different. 
Yeah. There was incidentally less of some stuff, but it was different, not just less. I, especially the uh, the uh, and, the, and this is obviously twenty years after the fact, but the the whole idea of the Hayes Code. It's like yeah. you know the, when the Hayes Code came in, which was in the thirties or late twenties. You know when they said, "Here's things movies can't do anymore." It's like before the Hayes Code. You know, hey, nudity was not unknown. You know, you would see it because there was no, you can't do it. There, no one said that. You know, there was not. It was such a new art form. I so. love that line. It's like you thought that as soon as you come in, I'd start pawing at you in that most abominable of ways. Meanwhile, he's a hooker stabbing guy. It's, yeah. it's, it's just it's so like, like I said, this movie has something to say about the patriarchal control of sex and, and just and of women in general. And it's it's got like it blows me away. I, I mean, when you think of how unpopular this movie was at the time, part of it, part Bird of Mitchum is that, the ultimate, but I'm a nice guy guy. Yeah. He's the, see, I'm all, I'm not all, all the, preachers. I'm all the things I'm supposed to be, right? I'm not coming at you like some kind of animal. I'm, I'm doing exactly what the Bible says I should be doing in yeah. this moment. I'm a murderer, but that's, a, that's totally to your, well, he, and he, and he even points out, he's like, well, God doesn't have a problem with killing. There's lots of killing yeah. in that book. Try yeah. and stop God from killing folks. But he's, <laughs> yeah. he's very serious about sex. That's a whole other thing. The whole I'm, book starts off with the whole sex story. So. My my grandma, my Southern Baptist grandmother, who was very much, oh, great shot of of, of that of her. Just this whole sequence yeah. is every shot is really good. Um, but my, I remember my grandmother like very much of this cloth, you know, kind of cut from that Depression era Dust Bowl time and uh, Southern Baptist through and through. I remember um, she was she loved this movie uh, for. She had no problem with like the depiction of like murder and all this other stuff, but she um, and she's like she thought of it in in the way kind of you were saying. She was like, oh, just a Christian gone bad or a Christian using the Christian tropes. But like, I think she was in a weird way. I think she was like titillated in a way by it that more than she kind of wanted to admit. I think she was like the exhilaration of like all the evil shit that was happening. Kind of like I don't think she was ever really in touch with that so much. There are a few movies where she was kind of like that. I don't think she was in on the joke per se. I don't think she was in on the joke of what this movie was saying about Christianity and, and sort of fundamentalist American, you know, patriarchy or whatever. Or whatever. Or whatever. <laughs> or what have you. This is a noisy print though. Like yeah. I'm going through all my my calibration settings just to make sure that this is the 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 master and not my monitor. And oh no, it's a, this it's is actually b- like you know baked into it. And god damn, is it noisy? Well, it's black and white. It's grainy. Black and white film, man. Uh, when you, I mean, yeah, it's there's something to be said about uh, you know exposure rating when it, it, for whatever way in whatever way they're pushing the f-stop and the iris, it's. It's uh, this is what you get sometimes. Yeah. I, I and shot, and you can see the difference, especially here in these RPs. When yeah, if you're also yeah. d- kind of double graining and blowing it up and yeah. stuff like that. So. I shot 16 on a Bolex in Holland in 2002 for an MMA documentary. And, it was a weird sentence. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I get, when I got the film back, I was like, Christ, there's like more noise in this than there is on my PD150. You know, there's more noise in this than there actually is on my mini DV camera in low light. It kind of, it, because I didn't know how because I was just shooting Verite on actual film. I didn't know how to like I didn't know how to manipulate it the right way. I do like this this feeling of the revival tent that is the most. I mean, if <laughs> if you want to talk about you know expressionism and stuff, it's yeah. like this is this is clearly. This could this, be a scene from M. This yeah, is how this is, this is how, Christianity or is this voodoo? Yeah, this is how you shoot here. hell. This yeah. is how you shoot a scene in hell. Like Santeria, they're yeah. doing. And it's a great true detective. It's a great way of not having to shoot the reverse of a bunch of people, you know, yeah. <laughs> because you get you get to you it, torches, just torches yeah. everywhere. 
Uh, and if you've never heard the term revival before, I know we have like a lot of European listeners. Uh, revival, the whole oh, concept... We probably should have explained this on Leap of Faith. Yeah, the, really. the whole con- the whole, <laughs> Oh, there we go. The whole concept of a revival... People actually do this in America. The, it happens still today, but it happened more and more back in the day. But the idea of a revival is that you have your churches, right? And when you go to your church, it's kind of the same person talking every week. <laughs> All six people in All six people. And, and it's kind of like it, it falls into doldrums. So the idea is you have a revival. You have a preacher come in, set up a tent, or they guest at a church, and they do their sermons. They do, the, And it's usually much more showy, much bigger, much grander, a a lot more hellfire brimstone but the idea is that it fires up your congregation the idea that it inspires your congregation and and kind of revives the church and kind of breathes new life into it it's an important part of uh evangelical yeah American it's the church equivalent of exciting the base yeah. yeah well i mean that's just it's it's the, it's the church equivalent of like of uh your out al- like a hip-hop album having 90 guest stars you know like featuring ti <laughs> featuring iggy azalea featuring whoever like it's it's so every track is not just the same person talking at you she really does have that weird look to her. That she's yeah. an alien. She's not human at all. <laughs> Somewhere she's at a trailer park right now, going. I was in Night of the Hunter. I'll go. Well, <laughs> she she is alive. She lives in Arroyo Grande, California. She's a school teacher. Nice. Mm. This is a great, very. Uh, this is like a Hitchcock scene right yeah. here, where yeah. it's like the precise timing of they barely get it all stuffed mm-hmm. back in that doll before he sees it, and the shots of of the little figures fluttering away yep. like oh my god did he see that <laughs> that shadow going across the thing there is doing two things at once one it's kind of trying to do a thing where they're supposed to feel sort of safe but they're not and it's separating them but more specifically it's almost entirely there just so that they pop out from the background yep more. those are the kind of choices you have to make in black and white yeah i love that push i love that this push. this little push down on yep. the yeah. them with fl- the fluttering <laughs> away the money, yeah. yeah kids you totally fooled him well we don't know it's like, did he see that? Did yeah, he, no. you never quite yeah gain that. He's obviously he's talking about this. He's talking about this thing right here. So it's like you never fully get that. And John John's idea of of lying is just being the smite ch- smiling cheery yeah. kid, which <laughs> is what the rest of the town does. Mm-hmm. He's one of those butt chins where it's like they took that sculpty face from that Lionel Richie video and just pushed their thumb <laughs> into the chin. <laughs> right, it's like Brink. here you have a little dimple right in the center now beef it's what for dinner she calls her husband mr powell mm-hmm. yeah mr. Like, powell. like she should <laughs> and look at the way she asked she's not it's like harlot. what were you impudent against john she's exhausted she just wants everyone to be happy yeah, so just, she can get laid for please fuck's for heck's sake don't rock the boat and that's why i say like there's a lot of subtlety to shelly's uh shelly winner's performance here she's over the top in some ways but like she's she's really it's those really quiet things she does with her eyes I never that. noticed that line before. He's as stubborn and mulish as, a, as sheep. a sheep. Yeah, that one was. I was like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> Bro, do you even analogy? Yeah. <laughs> and the the, the choice Some of words there. I need to keep peace, you know, harmony and peace uh, betwixt them. Uh, betwixt is it's there yeah. twice. It's in this movie twice. Yeah, betwixt is a a, a word used. In well, the song. it's a word that he uses. Yeah. Well, she got well, it from him. And that word. And the way she talks now is completely different because of him. Well, she's trying to be what he wants. Biblically, that word betwixt appears heavily in the Songs of Solomon as a mm. sexual reference because Songs of Solomon is the most overt sexual. Yeah. 
chapter of the Bible, of the Old Testament. Betwixt. Well, I get you. It reminds yeah. me of that line from uh, Serenity where Kaylee says, "Ain't," yeah. and this is the line, which she sells it, ain't nothing been betwixt my nethers, weren't running batteries. Yeah. Well, and that's, again, uh, Joss Whedon knows his Bible, actually. He yeah. actually is very well read. Re- re- and probably his Night of the Hunter. But, there, there's, a, yeah, but so. there's also, you know, uh, the heart being betwixt the breast, and it's there's like a blood metaphor in there in, in Songs of Solomon, just like there is here. This scene is, ah, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh pearl oh pearl tisk 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 um yeah it's just it's really uncomfortable um <laughs> this kid is such a Fuck. dork yeah what 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 yeah you hit daddy with an airbrush oh she called him daddy that's yep. so bad yep. yeah so not and I was good. just randomly the other day I was watching Hook. He's lived here for a week. Yeah, I was just, just the other day I was watching Hook. Well, skipping through Hook, you know, like you do. And there's this happens in this movie and in Hook, and I can't think of other movies where the bad guy like takes over the the good guy's kids and he becomes do daddy. And that's such a weird like usually <laughs> when, you, when, when you think of well, I guess that <laughs> usually when you think of sort of like a filmic well, the, innuendo way oh, of, of, of of saying like. Yeah. A, a massive this is this is when it's like okay now we're shooting a different movie entirely and yeah. it's kind of amazing look at that shot like one of the things that sort of subtly tends to mean like i have dominion over you in movies look at, is, look at shelly winter's face there like mm-hmm. that as she's essentially learning the truth like is like taking someone's food or something it's sort of like shorthand for wow that guy owns you shit but when someone takes your kids and they start calling you daddy oh look at that so good that is some harsh shit yeah and i can't and it's such a really powerful it, it, the symbolism and the actual act and everything about it is just really, really vile. That that smile that Shelley Winters gives as essentially he hears her her new husband say, "I'm going to you know rip your arm off, you wretched little wench." Yeah. Uh, there's so many ways she could have played it, um, but to just look at him and kind of quickly shake her head and smile and run away quick, like that's that's a really brave choice. Now okay, again, this what now you want to talk about it? Expressionism, architecture. Yeah. What <laughs> who? Drew the blueprint yeah. to this room. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is happening? Who builds houses like this? <laughs> it's just, yeah. Oh, I get it. I was trying to figure out what the actual geometry of the room is. It just, there, it's, when the light shapes it like that, it looks boom. really weird. And look at the way her arms like are folded. It's like she's already dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Wow. It's like yeah. It's like this is her wake. Uh huh. This is I the most arch thing I've ever seen in my life. It's wow. Super arch. No, I was actually. I see what you did. No, well, yeah, that. It's not an arch. No, but it's, it's super a triangle. Arch. But yeah, just it's the most like. Yeah, I mean that's the thing like about expressionism is, is, is it can be so on the nose sometimes that it can be kind of ludicrous. Like you know, like the window that forms a cross when you're talking about yeah. any kind of religious kind of thing. That you know, the shadow forms a cross. That's you know, that's the, like uh, extreme uh, German extreme expressionism. I always be. describe this movie as if. Um, you know, Tim Burton jumped in a time machine and set designed all of it. Mm. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I'm thrilled because yeah, it's yeah. very much, it's like, it's fairy tale. It's very much like he, I mean, and you know, Charles Lawton talked about like, Gr- you know, Grimm's fairy tales being a big influence and kind of telling a fairy tale that uses Christian mythology, but it's, it's broad by design. Yeah, look at it's the, where, where, what they have, they have, <laughs> they have track lighting in this house somehow. Right. So, what the hell was these lights coming from? The knife is a boner. And just, yep. well, not just a boner, but just like... It's, he doesn't want to have sex with her, but he does want to kill her. Yeah, penetration, all that other stuff. It's like, this is the way he does it. Bon, bon. And she just resigns herself to it. Yeah, she's just, like, well, married life, what are you going to do? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Seven-year itch, am I right, yeah. ladies? <laughs> <laughs> At least we didn't have sex, because that just would have been achy. Right. 
Yeah, that would have been unforgivable shit. Yeah. Uh, somebody, and I don't know if I agree with this, but somebody said the doll essentially being the last vestige of his father. I don't know if I think that needle threads per se. No, but no. it is this. Uh, the the um, one of the things the analysis is pointing out was that the what they're doing with Rev Powell is that he you know slits these women's throats and cuts into them and all that and the last female body to be slit open in this movie is the sort of is the doll yeah it's the doll and the money and all that stuff mm-hmm. and the meaning there yeah I, I don't think that, you know some people have tried to like analyze like the role of money and even do like a thing with capitalism in it I don't know if I, again I don't know if I agree with that I think see Miss Icy Spoon represents populism <laughs> and then and then her husband is William Jennings Bryan that cup is easily objectivism <laughs> that's a, outside the window that's all about our Lend-Lease program with, yeah. with the World War One now you see those glasses cap on the left trade on the right yeah that's always that, that always you do always run the risk with a movie like this where there is legitimately a lot going on and to analyze and break down but it, it can quickly become you know chasing ghosts and yeah and you just start seeing shit that isn't even there uh i try to be film analysis is sort of a culturally accepted conspiracy sort of thing it's a conspiracy but it's also like air guitar like it's just <laughs> it's just like <laughs> yeah here i am i'm doing the thing i felt like just talking to a friend of mine the other day about how like, for example, I would just a weird uh, left field thing. Pardon me for uh, invoking Die Hard um, in <laughs> Die Hard. I love that. It's like, what could possess that girl? Satan. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Of course. Of course. Of course. We should have said Satan. Yeah. Die Hard, you know, talk, John McTiernan in the commentary talks about, you know, he had this whole thing in his head about this motif of triangles in the movie and the idea of, you know, all the designs and all the framings and everything is triangles and triangles and triangles and, and how the, the concept of triangle. Now, does that we as the audience do we are we supposed to come away from that going it was all about triangles no but i think that's that's a way for a filmmaker to integrate a movie that makes it feel like a cohesive mm-hmm. thing yeah you could it's it's like a cheap window dressing that makes your movie feel more cohesive yeah but it, it just makes you think about you know I, I think it's interesting that you'll, you it's sort of like you know you sort of don't see the thumbprints of the of the finger paint that way it's like it's like i'm just gonna right. make sure that it all sort of that I've thought about everything at yeah. least from a perspective. It doesn't matter everything. Whatever. How can I get triangles into this? Even if right. it's that. Uh, the but, fifth element is that way with exactly circles. circles. Mark yeah. Roman. But there's a point where what I'm getting at is because it's what you were talking about is there's a point where the filmmaker can go. Well, I was trying to make it in always somehow be an aspect of this. There's a point where a movie can trip right over the that that doorstep and fall right in its face and go get it. And like yeah, we freaking got it already. Yeah, Jeez, yeah, you know yeah. it's like you forgot to tell me a story and you got so excited about telling me about your sexual politics. Um, so so the idea of yeah, a movie can be about all kinds of things as far as the filmmaker is concerned. But we only not, care if the movie works. It's not necessarily a given that the audience has to get that. You know, yeah. it's like I, the uh, the filmmaker can go. Actually, the whole thing was about this. Did you spot that? Not at all. Well, yeah. There, there you thing, go. I remember this being a, a factoid from one hour photo that I, I think I picked it up from the commentary. Mark Romanek's movie with uh, Robin Williams in it, playing this weirdo. Oh yeah, yeah. bad um, guy, uh, photo developer. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, twenty four hour photo. Right? One hour photo. Twenty four hour photo. photo. <laughs> this shot anyway but look fight, at this fucking this is gorgeous shot. but the point but the point i was making there is he uh, went out of his way to make sure that as much as possible robin williams okay. was always now looking at we're getting into classic movie territory yeah like, right. now we get what's with going the on. giant hook yeah um, with, with uh robin williams was always looking at people through frames like that was a thing yeah. where it's like do you see because he looks at the world he, he's you know stalking people through their photos that they're having developed and what? he's doing that shit he's always looking at them through frames when he sees them in real life the guy who uh fuck but the movie was and they're meant to be picture perfect the movie was autofocus and it was with um 
Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear. Uh, so yeah, the director of that, who's a very famous screenwriter, forget his name. Uh, but anyway, he Bob Newhart. No, he basically really Clean Lake, by the way. Yeah, right. right. That's like well, hey, that's like the submarine ride at Disneyland. Um, yeah. But no, he had basically said like, well, yeah. I wanted as Greg Kinnear's life starts. It's all very locked down in the 50s. And then as his life gets crazier, it gets more handheld. By the end of that movie, it was just like, I'm holding a camera with my hands. This is what happens mm-hmm. when I do that. And it just became so aggressively shaky to where it was just distracting. Trey, you talked um, about on the abyss where it's like when you get down there, you, <laughs> you don't just get down there. You have to get down there and then wait for the bubbles to clear yeah. and then the take. And then once you're about to die and they say cut, then you're waiting for someone to come bring you an air tube. Yeah. Like I can't believe how long she was down there. That's I. That was a dummy. No, wasn't. Was no. not. Is a dummy? I, I said was I, not. I'm I not even sure that was that was water. I, I'm wondering if that was dry for wet. That that looked like water to me. No, it was, it was, it was, it was just water. an underwater dummy. When you see the okay. there, I'm, you're an underwater dummy. Yeah, sometimes. your mom's an there underwater was a, there dummy. was a great there was a little bit of dialogue. Yeah, I would, I would make sense. But it's, but it was a really good one. Well, what's interesting is like no matter any any one of those scenarios still makes me go fuck right you know, it's like <laughs> right. it's like that's an amazingly sophisticated dummy if so yeah that's an amazing dry for wet if that's what it is and if it's really Shirley winters there. in the freaking Jesus water Christ, yeah. i'm all the more blown away because jacques Cousteau didn't invent the aqualung until like no. two years after this yeah. so i don't even know how it how it could have been done so um there's a bit of dialogue back there when he's explaining his his version of what happened to her and he's and he said like you know oh she turned me out of bed and then when they ask him, like, what are you going to do now? I was like, well, I'm going to raise these children. He's like, maybe the world ain't meant for a woman with Willa's taint to be <laughs> raising those kids. And that's, uh, he, I mean, What's they're the talking, taint they're talking about. Like, well, they're talking about her, just her issues because nobody apparently liked Willa at all. Yeah. Uh, but well, I mean, it's also, it's also a, it's also like an analog kind of like for the original sin. Like no. just the idea that women are just, <clears throat> yeah. And also, <laughs> well, also the, the idea, fault. I mean, there was the whole revival thing where she was, she was talking about her sins, which yeah. who, who knows if that, if she was even ever like that or if right. he just put that in her head exactly as you know, this is why you lost your last husband. You demanded, you know, he, and it's like, no, he, he just wanted to f- feed us. Mm. I, I never asked for makeup or anything like that, but she's, yeah. she's so totally, whatever he says, it's obviously she, true. she's going to believe. Yeah. And, and so it's obviously true. And, 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 you know, Again, I guess maybe a satire of small town thinking. She gets up and confesses to it at, at the the revival, and everybody there who has known her for decades, like maybe she's lived there her whole life, they're all like, "Yep, that is the story of Willa." <laughs> and it's like, no, it was never <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at all. But but they all just decided to c- communally accept that that's what they're gonna believe. Because the alternative is worse. Yeah, <laughs> it's like ew, we don't like the other version of that story. We don't like. So, yeah, this fact that now the kids are like, wow, this this is so messed up. (laughs) The whole town is like going, no, you stay with the murderer. There is something to be said about like the town's embrace of him just automatically based on nothing as opposed to this woman who's lived among them for their entire lives. Yeah. And how, you know, he's just like the best thing that ever happened to her. And it's just, of course, of course, he should have these kids. And. It's just, and later on when we get to the riverboat scene, there's that scene where he writes, you know, it's like, well, he says he took him off for a trip. Oh, great. Good for, yay. Good. <laughs> well, yeah, the same thing. I liked, I liked the little turn where his, uh, you know, he murders Willow. We've, we've seen it and he's going to dump her. And Spoiler. Then it, <laughs> it just happened. And then it comes up, it comes, it fades in on screen and she's like, oh, what's her husband, the old woman, her husband's name? Oh, oh I, I, whatever uh, it is. Yeah. Cap and trade. Yeah. She, and she's saying, "Cap, come quick!" or whatever, whatever his name is. She's Lend like, least. "Come quick!" And you think 
Yeah. I, I think, you know, that I'm watching that and I think for a second, you know, so and so's disappeared, like we suspect foul play. Or blah, she just blah, saw blah, blah. that through the window or something. Yeah, or she she saw something oh, and she goes, Uncle Come quick. He's sad because Willow ran away, that awful woman. It's like, oh, that yeah. <laughs> this scene took a different direction than I yep. anticipated <laughs> yep. it taking. And of course here he's like, God damn it, I can't tell anyone about this because they're gonna think it's me. Yep. Which oh, I like Uncle the Birdie. I like the fact that the movie bothered to be like this is why he doesn't just solve everything. Yeah. yeah. He is convinced that people are going to He's a cell phone you. that refuses to work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> there yeah, is she, something... she was a looker. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. yeah. I oh. see what you liked. Oh. I'm, cur- I'm curious why he thinks that that's what the town thinks it's, of him. Yeah, it's a, well, he's, he's, the town, he's kind of a town drunk. Everyone yeah. kind of knows it. And Sweet heaven, save poor old... I mean, but again, it's like, you know... It's again. It's Try not just. How come you never rocking chair on your boat? It's not just making a comment on room. Harry Powell. It's making a comment on just kind of all the men of this town. They're all kind of shitbags, uh-huh. like in their own little way. That does look really good. I and he's say. more. He's ultimately, you know, he's like, if there's ever any, it, it's a sort of indictment of him because he he's telling the kid John, you know, if there's any ever any trouble, you come running to me and you tell me. <laughs> nope. And as soon as he doesn't. I mean, first of all, it doesn't work when when the kid tries and <laughs> yeah. does it. But even when he's on his own initiative, he knows that there is trouble and he could do something about it and save the kid. He's more concerned about himself and what could happen to him if he if he opens his mouth about it. So, right. and this weird like when you start combining what the theme of the knife is and what oh, it all yeah. is, and then it switches open and, she like, that, and she's like, kid? "Hey, Whoa. holy shit!" She walked like her eyes light up. She walks over to it. This movie's fucking dark and weird, Eddie. <laughs> I know. I yeah. know. That's what it's. Yeah. This movie should not exist in 1955. <laughs> it's it's literally like, oh, what's playing at the multiplex? A temporal rift opens up <laughs> yeah. and out vomits Night of the Hunter. Yeah. Like, how the fuck was this movie made? The like most, I, the most messed and up. And did Biff watch it? That's yeah, the question. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Biff should have been coming out of the movie theater. Should have been playing Night of the Hunter. Uh, if if you. If you uh, like listening to new music, um, I've mentioned at the top, but uh, Natasha Khan is a singer-songwriter who performs as Bat for Lashes. Natasha Khan? Natasha Khan. Natasha Khan. So after her first record, she was looking for inspiration for her second, and sure enough, she was watching Night of the Hunter. And the song that Pearl sings on the riverboat thing that we're going to get to, she was like, I wonder what that girl would be like if she grew up in modern New York. And made a whole album about it, like <laughs> called Two Sons. And she kind of saw, like, when Natasha Khan was living in New York, she kind of was partying a lot and not being herself. And she saw herself as an adult version of Pearl. Hmm. And so half the songs are called, like, Pearl's Dream, or they distinctly reference Pearl in, like, this one song called Siren Song. Um, and if you go to this day, if you go see Bad for Lashes Live, she will, her and her band take the stage to the Riverboat song from Night of the Hunter. And she'll just do the whole thing oh, in her set wow. sometimes. And it's just... You know, it, no one does that for the movie Liar, Liar. Yeah. <laughs> or Yes Man. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, really. Or, oh, or, or Leap of Faith. That poor guy. Like, you know. But that's... The, look at... God damn. Yeah. Look at this. Stay close to the candles. This dare Because it's so dark everywhere, apparently. Yeah, this is one of those things. It's like, boy, it's... it's just, man, I yeah, can't that, abide a liar. That, the, the word that, abide becomes important that later, candle, too. That candle trick. It's like, yeah, we just accepted that kind of stuff in movies. Like, what's the candle for? Right. It's not throwing any actual light. <laughs> yeah, we don't see anything anywhere. Yeah. We have, apparently, a mini star on the top of the stairwell. Yeah. And then... Um, we could have 10K <laughs> at the top of the kitchen right. lights at 10K, and for some reason... That's just the refrigerator, man. You ever come down at yeah. night and the, everything's dark? You open the fridge, it's just like, Blam! like it's just yeah. that bright. Yeah, it's just the it's the fridge. 
Wait, did, did they have refrigerators? John made like, us in. John told a lie. Jesus Christ. The Lord's yeah. that's that, to me that is the most disturbing line in the entire movie. The Lord's are talking to me now. Yeah, uh, when oh she's boy. like, "Shit, like, oh great, we've lost Pearl, everybody. <laughs> Pearl's gone to the dark side. <laughs> it's no, like think, election think, night. It's like we've lost Kansas. I think the no, election's I think, over. No, no, yeah. he's he said that. I think. He's, oh yeah, he did. Yeah, he said, said that. that. Yeah, yeah, because he's he's using that as his. She says to, something later on though. Yeah. She says something later on where like, like about the Lord or something mm. like that. Oh, poor mm. Pearl. Yeah, she's going to be fine the rest of her life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do like the way now. he plays that. The doll. Of course. He feels doll. so stupid. Because he's been oh. going around the whole country killing women and taking the cash. Yeah. Boom. The easily bamboozled Reverend Harry Powell. Yeah. See, uh, and again, look at look at him. Like, run oh, faster, pouty. you kids. He, he oh, has, look how art this. this whoops. What? Oh, oh. You want to talk about Nosferatu? Oh, there you go. The easily bamboozled heavy hair pal. He's the shittiest bad guy in a physical confrontation. Yeah. Was that a hold frame? Maven. They just cut to the exterior showing them on the other side of the door, and it was not moving. The green wasn't moving. Might have been. Or maybe just, just a layer to, change. Just to get that shot. You yeah. spawn of the devil's own strumpet. Yeah. Okay. Half of this could be dialogue. We'll be back from, later, Dad. Half of this could be dialogue from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? No. Yeah. Like a, it's like the dark fl- underbelly of. You know, good so and so's. I curse your name. <laughs> like they are are you n o f t? Yeah. I mean, it's. But it's also accurate. I mean, my you know my grandparents like they all kind of came from the deep south around this time. And uh, my grandmother had these bizarre sayings like, like, don't that just beat the bush? And it's, what does that even mean? <laughs> oh, like, my mom is folksy as balls, yeah. sir. <laughs> I can tell you some. It, I see you uh, beat the bush and raise you a. Just as quiet as a mouse pit, not, pissing on a cotton ball. Yep. <laughs> Bees knees. My quiet. mom, my mom. I first heard this saying from my mom, not from a movie from the 30s. <laughs> doesn't have enough sense to pour piss out of a boot with instructions written on the heel. Quieter than a gnat cracking his knuckles. <laughs> Wow! Yeah. Nervous as a cat with a long tail in a room of rocking chairs. Are we, a long in, a, tail cat in, a, room are we in a folksy battle rap right now? Yeah. What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> and like, like word up, my cameo starts playing. Yeah. Just like I, I love that cow pissing on a flat rock. I love that. Pearl's just, <laughs> Pearl's just out. Pearl's just like, oh nap yeah. time. Pearl, yeah. Like, Pearl's like, I've, I'm out. Oh, enough. Yeah. She. Well, ah, Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. She, she goes in and the the old man's asleep. She's like, oh, I guess we're all napping. Yeah. Now. Oh, it's nap time. In. Bonk. Oh, it's the nap room. Pearl the dark pearls I was, yeah, I was, I was watching this I, I was watching it this morning and um, Robert my roommate was up at the same time he how was, was Robert awake yeah what the hell he heard me get up and he was like is something happening like why would you be up this like he was concerned he's like well like I'm like I just need to watch the movies like well now I'm up I'll watch it with you and and when that scene came up he could not stop for like the next five minutes he's like I cannot believe she she just fu- what is she sleeping how did she just lay down and went to sleep? My sister's like that, man. You could you be driving her to her death and she'll fall asleep in the car. <laughs> Wake me when we get there. Wake me when we get there. Well, yeah, suddenly he's like he's turned into this the wolf man now. Uh, it's yeah. just pure. No, this is straight universal monster Lon movie Chaney, at this point. Yeah. This is the core of dreams. Lawton is challenging his is channeling his uh Notre Dame era. But again, he's he's slow moving and tripped up and um 
again, there's an extra level hit on of, the head with preserves. There's an extra level of film douchiness to the sequence where it's like, oh, nature's trying to stop them and the animals, or protect them and, all and that. the animals watching them are their guardians. And it's like, fuck you. Like, it's just I, I you curated this. I did. But like, yeah, by the right. same. That's what I mean is like there we is, can curate bad things, too. Just no, to be like, look at this. this. Is, no, I this did laugh from the past. I, 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 I defend I defend this movie greatly. I, I Again, it's, hey, in, my, it's in my top. It's in my top 20 of all time. My favorite movies. But again, there is a level of navel gazing that can happen from film analysis where it's right, just like right. there is a tipping point and I'm I'm always trying to stay just to the left of it. Oh, that scream that he gives off it's, right there is yeah. really scary. It's creepy and like oddly like do not look at the jets below the water. Yeah, really there's a couple of Lillian Gish um she, you know, aside from her performance in the end here as Miss Cooper, which we haven't met her yet, but Lillian Gish is such a made up bullshit like <laughs> Ben Fold song right. name, right? <laughs> like <laughs> Amelia Bright. Yeah. But uh, she she said like she there actually told Charles Lawton she's like I think I think you're making uh, Harry a bit too buffoonish I think you're making him a bit too broad and he said like no he he needs that like he needs that element of he can't be completely evil he can't be like part of his critique on this misogyny is that it's it's got no legs to stand on is that he's he is a buffoon he is an idiot he's we have to sort of emasculate him because there's no there there like aside from the predatory aspect of being after those weaker, he's he's not much of a man. You know, that's not what masculinity is. Mm. He shouldn't be strong and all this other shit. He should be weak when confronted with his own. There's German expressionism. There we go. Yep. By the this way, whole sequence. speaking of all that folksy idioms and shit, I haven't heard someone say the word John Boat since I last heard it when I lived yeah. in Arkansas. And she's like, get a John Boat. It's like, hey, this, this is I the forgot song. that word. This is the song that Bat for Lash is playing. But yeah, this is, you, I, you get this idea of just nature enveloping them. Like, this is the Disney musical part of... Yeah. The film where it's literally like they're off on an adventure and all these anthropomorphized no creatures break out in song. Nobody else but you. Um, one of those, one of those fun, uh, you know, the the old school shots where they they you there's a middle point in the shot. The the mid mid ground is out of focus and yeah, the foreground yeah. and background are in yeah. focus because of how they shot the foreground. Walt separately. is his name. Yeah, Walt. Okay, yeah. Yeah, this is the note where it's just like, yeah, and again, and again they, get a, they get a letter. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Spoo! What are you trying to say, Backwards, baby? it says, oops! Ah! <laughs> I, like, I love that. <laughs> well, I guess that's, uh, this seems legitimate. Cool. And, yeah. and uh, well, the other thing, it's like, Someone's, you know, someone stabbed stabbed all those farmers. It's like must have been them gypsies that can't, that I yeah. just invented. <laughs> yeah, right. A sentence ago. Those those endemic to the south gypsies. Yeah, yeah. it's the like Apache. we got a bunch of those you in Mississippi. Gypsies. It's, it's, like, it's, it's literally like he goes. They've been they've been missing for a while. I'm concerned. Maybe they got attacked by gypsies. And it's but, like, well, there were a bunch of you know farmers that got stabbed. And so there's like, a yeah, horse no missing. Gypsies. And yeah. there he is, a horse with a mohawk. In the yeah. chat, Rob says that Gish died in 1993 at yeah. the age yeah. of 90. Nine. Yeah, yeah, she lived to be very old. I remember when she died. Robert, God damn, Robert Mitchum died in uh, and she, the she, late nineties. His, his his wife died two months ago. This is my favorite Whoa. scene <laughs> in the movie. This is heartbreaking on a level I can't even like comprehend. Like this is like some Sarajevo shit. Sad like, trick or sad treat? No, just all these kids <laughs> just being washed ashore. It's like I can give you a potato each. Yeah, there you go. And then uh, when she asked where you're, I, I ain't got none. She's just. In despair, get the fuck yeah, out no, of my no. face! I cannot face this anymore. Potatoes, yeah. it. This Move is the on. worst. Why? Potatoes, what you get? They get job as peach pickers. Like it's <laughs> just, it's awful. Like, but it is depression era. You know, yeah. Dust Bowl. This yeah. is our history. Kids just be like, oh, there's some kids on their own. Hope they don't get killed. Yeah. 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 
I yeah. I ain't got more than a potato for him. Yeah. I give him, I give him any more than that. I'm liable yeah. to die. Done By my, the way, done nobody take this this movie as a lesson for how you're supposed to behave around a bonfire because the guy that spits into the fire is an asshole. Yeah, big time. <laughs> Come on, dude. We're trying to do a thing here. <laughs> Depression foul, dude. Yeah, exactly. Now Just you go make yourself that, that some beans too. in a tin can and it's think like, about what you did. Well, there's a bunch of food, except I don't know how to get it. Like yeah. it's just fuck. You're supposed to eat the turtle. That was clouds though. And then some rabbits. You should eat the rabbits. What are you kids thinking? The rabbits are sitting on a off, like, like an off uh, uh, off kilter dryer though. Yeah, are these kids <laughs> gonna eat us? I don't know. I don't know. No. Um forget what I was gonna say. Shit. What time of day is that meant to be? <laughs> Yeah. It's just, it's again. Well, you know, like half, half day, half night. This is this is a, si- a montage in a single shot. It's like this is all times. Yeah, they're just p- traveling it's through their journey down the river. Yeah. yeah, that's where you know we get like really like when we get overtly lyrical about this. Uh, oh, I was gonna say Lillian Gish. She was nominated for an Oscar as late as 1987, I think. Ah, something oh, like that. She was maybe. nominated for like best actress or best supporting actress. Oh no, best actress, and she lost to Cher. For Moonstruck. No. Oh, that's right. Was that so year. like, yeah, trip to Bound. Damn, that yeah. stings, doesn't it? This yeah. feels a bit. No, like she the, said uh, she's like she's like I'm glad I didn't win because like it's like I'm I'm happy to have lost a share. It's fine. Yeah. I didn't want to get back. It's, up it was one of those, you know, you're not dead yet and working again. Oscar, you know, nominations. Yeah, like Peter O'Toole for something, you know, like Bruce Dern. Yeah. This this feels a little like the uh, the Bayou before you go into Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah, totally it's, it's it's yeah, it's the Blue Lagoon. Yeah. It's the restaurant right there. <laughs> Direct influence now. Um, no, actually, I think Pirates was built actually around the same year because Pirates is yeah. one of the originals. Pirates is fifty five. Yeah, yeah, same as this movie. But yeah, it's just. Uh, but yeah, now we get to Miss Cooper, who is the shit. She's oh no, amazing. we're not there yet. We're not. There oh no, yet. no, yeah, they no, we're not Miss Cooper. They have to. This is Eddie, the end of you tease. I, uh, to be honest, I didn't review this film in the last couple weeks. The last time I saw this film was about a year ago. So, so I'm a little a little rusty. When you don't have houses, you fake it with cardboard. Yes. As much as I love this movie, suddenly it's like this is is a real bird. Like like we're not even trying to to make it look like anything anymore. It's like it's like it's purely. It just became the Phantom Tollbooth fairy tale. Yeah. Yeah, Like now we're overtly like Grimm's fairy tale. You know, uh, pure mythology at this point. And very, very. And the kid is becoming a zombie. Yeah. Yeah, he's not sleeping. Uh, or you know she's gonna turn. Pretty soon. Your church. He, you know, Lawton, was gonna turn. There was a there was there's been a bit of debate. Boy, that would have been a great third act. It's yeah, like, really. Oh, now it's a zombie movie. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, my there's sister's a zombie. There's been a bit of debate been over um, over how much Lawton directed the kids and how much Robert Mitchum directed the kids. Oh. Uh, well, I'm sure this might be scary as balls. He was like, okay, I'll get a reaction right. out of these kids. Well, what he said with John is like uh, he liked John's presence, but the girl who played Pearl, he, he found her infuriating. And no shit. He, Mitchum uh, or the director? Lawton. Lawton found her infuriating, but he's like, but I need that. I need this weird little alien child uh, <laughs> to because he's like, because I need stuff out of her that I could not get out of any other kid. But working with her, he found very challenging. And Mitchum did say that he helped. What's her name? Uh, who played Pearl? He helped her out quite a bit in between takes to, to get there. Uh, uh, and people thought for a long time that Lawton had the same relationship with the guy who played John. But the the documentary that I was talking about, the short one, showed a pretty good relationship, at least on those takes, where you know they they understood each other and he pushed John. But it was, so it was very not paternal. a not a Kubrick Shelley Duvall. Dynamic. No, not not nearly not nearly anything like that. It's like he's like, okay, John, now now this time I want you to do this. Okay, do it really quick, right now. Don't think like he was getting a lot of those quick impulsive things out of him. And I think a lot of that he did to get that sense of exhaustion mm-hmm. um, out of him. One of the scenes was when he was trying to wake Uncle Bertie. 
And he's like, you have to stand up and you have to tell right now. It's like, you're, you're, it's like the, you're, you're under pursuit. You got to do it right now. Do it for me, John. And, you know. Oddly enough, that's what Reverend Harry said, too. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. In the chat room a second ago, Rob said, you know, one of the munchkins hanged himself in the background right there. That's <laughs> right. You can see right, right in the background. <laughs> you're right the wow. Actually, that's pretty much what Indiana looks like. There we go. Yeah. Love that. Um, the other influence I saw on this, which I don't think gets a nearly enough love as it should be, was an HBO series by the name of Carnival. Oh, I uh, love Carnival. I was going to say, it's Carnival. like, summit, I think Carnival had a, owes a huge debt to Night of the Hunter. Yeah, I just, in, the tone. Way, in tone and the way it depicts, I think if Night of the Hunter was shot in color, I think... And, and he would have tried to make it look like, like Carnival. Carnival yeah. Like, yeah, where you see like the, the, the trees being like sort of these tentacly you know things just jutting out of the horizon uh you definitely a tree and trees were and nature were a big thing in carnival and i think they're i think there's a, a you know kind of a one-to-one there if you haven't seen carnival you got to find that it's an old hbo show and it kind of went off the rails you have hbo go uh, and you do but it's a <laughs> depression era freak show circus moving its way across the country and it's like bearded ladies and mystics and shit like that and it's supernatural or is it not it's supernatural, supernatural what's shit. going on and it's fucking gothy and awesome and it's just the coolest thing that ever it happened it blows me away and never got a they like season. that they, they they like shows where it's like is it supernatural or not oh it'll well, it, pop it, in once in a while the audience doesn't always john from cincinnati didn't go yeah, I Carnival John's only went one season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two seasons. Two seasons. Oh, two seasons. But two apparently seasons. it kind of went off the rails in the second season. Yeah, I was didn't. told not to watch the second season. No, I like the second season, but the second season, it does the thing in the end, and it, it flips it, and it's like becomes overtly, oh. you know. In the chat room, I was totally wrong about the year of Pirates coming out. No? Guest says it? it came out in 67. Ah. Well, yeah, I was sounds, off by 12 right. years. My whole life is alive. That sounds better. Disneyland opened in 56, and I thought it was open when Disneyland opened. Or did it not open in 56? What is real? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think Pirates of the Caribbean was the next generation attraction. Once again, please ignore the Yeah, jets. great. Can you have the grips back off the fire hose so a little bit? So, which direction is the current? No. I, <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah? <laughs> and then there's a fox in a tree. Yeah, is he trying to paddle or stop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looks, it, the way he's using the, the aura, it looks almost like he's they've got an outboard motor. He's just... Well, you literally see jet thrust in opposite directions yeah. at various yeah. stages of the river. So it's just like this churning... Which, Eddie, you see what that means? They've is, only got this one little bit of water set, you know. They're like, right. oh, I gotta do what we can. No, man, what, what the movie's trying to tell you about the direction of the water and how they're going on it is that they face a current of opposition. Ooh. Uh, and something did, about economics. That, that's deep. I did reference this movie a few weeks ago. Um, my family and I went to uh, Soak City, the water park, mm-hmm. and we got in the lazy... Oh, go on. Oh, got, God. We were got, you just chasing a guy, like a little kid and, in the lazy river, and, like, children? And, and where, I, has, I, I, and where I, has your I, wife been since then? I haven't she, seen her. She's, <laughs> she's <laughs> and my unborn son. There, uh, no, she, there's an old guy at the park going, never tell anybody, never tell anybody. No, like, we're in me. there, and, like, uh, and my son, uh, you, like, they they let my son go in there, but he had to wear, like, little life vest, and then there were times where the jet stream would kind of knock him off his fleet and he would just sort of bob for a minute. <laughs> and Blam. I, I'd like, and whenever I would like walk after him, I'd be like, lean in. Lean <laughs> oh, in. Jesus Christ. Like, oh, did anyone God. at the water park go, no, like look at you like, I get that reference <laughs> like, and oh my God. No. But Call my, child services my, right now. My wife was like, my wife knew I was referencing something, but she's never seen this. Lean and she's like, she's like, she's like, what's that from? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, what, I'll, no. I'll explain later. You will never <laughs> sleep again. And, and he's like, um, the West Wing. Yeah. There's a preacher. There's a preacher with a knife, and yeah. <laughs> it's all about a guy who murders children. It's it's a funny thing. It's a comedy. I love this. I, I'll get a switch and beat you, kid. Yeah, like, I don't know. Get the Jesus. fuck out of that boat. How far do we have to go before we find an adult that's not messed up? Bear in mind, round? this woman doesn't have anything to do with these kids. She doesn't care. Yeah. She just wants the boat. She's stealing the boat right now. That's all. Yeah. Give me that boat. Fuck you. So I want the boat. Fucked up. 
It's like, yeah, they arrive and it's like this lady. Her, her, you can just loop this shot over and over again yeah, on the DVD really. menu. It's like they're walking. It's like the, oh, they're playing Pitfall. They're walking <laughs> to the fifth Flintstones living room just there. Yeah, this lady just enslaves children that she finds yeah. on the on the shore. Miss Gulch. One, oh. she, she reminds me and, of Miss Gulch. And, and the weird yeah. part, she's the sister of Potato Lady. That's the weird <laughs> thing. They each have a different way of dealing with the depression. Yeah, she's just taking taking on. All, I mean, it's it's the opposite. She's going, okay. I'm just gonna take in all the kids. That's who right. Come and they're gonna this is your new brother them. and sister. Show them how it works. Yeah. <laughs> Wash this one. No, but she's she's the inverse of Harry. She still represents that Christian fundamentalism, but like, so I mean, she's I mean, which she'll take, she'll spare the rod and spoil the child. That's Christina uh, Ricci. That's who that is. <laughs> I figured out why she looks so weird. She she has very large eyes. But the the sides of her face around her eyes where her temples are, people's eyes like right there, they kind of like goes back behind your eyes at that point. Her face kind of continues to the left and the right on the sides of her eyes a little bit too far. Like her yeah. fa- she's kind of moon faced. Where most people have no face, she has more face. Yes, oh, there exactly. <laughs> See, Trey, you're supposed to just take away until the child is there. Yeah. And, and they, they were like, no, I think that's right. No, you could have cut more off. That's right. See, it's the sculpting line. You, you needed to cut away more that wasn't a child. You weren't done. Yeah. Well, I guess we're in this family now. Yeah, fine, fine. Okay. <laughs> no, nobody, nobody plays stabby, stabby, rapey, rapey. Great. That's right. Yeah. Let's. We're we're good for a minute. And what's weird is if this is all you've ever known, it seems perfectly normal. Yeah, for these kids, as far as they're concerned, like yeah, I change parents every couple of days. Yeah. Really. Like I'm just like someone else's child now yep. again. Yeah. Just that's twice this week. Had a mom, then a dad. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you folks? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, it's it's kind of like a, one of those awful things of American history during the Great Depression, like. Parents that run off. Cut their kids loose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. R U N N O F T. Opal's learning tomahawk throwing skills. <laughs> well, welcome to this interior set. Yeah, right? No. Welcome to this not at all interior set. Yeah. A lovely outdoor street where there is a market. <laughs> Look market at all of these sun. photons coming from market the sun. town. Do you feel the warmth? Well, that's because that's the sun in this outdoor street. Did you know that this light? Came here over the course of the last eight minutes from a star. <laughs> and what's cool about her lines really? is that sure. if you just read the dialogue that she's saying, it reads like it's a burden. Like, I've got so many mounts to feed. I'll take the consequences. But Gish gives, like, this sweet-natured, like, oh, I've got so many smile of inevitability. Yeah. And she wouldn't have it any other way. Like, she this is, she lives for this. She is, she is Christian charity. Like, all the best aspects Well, yeah, the, the analysis I read was that she is supposed to be, like, good incarnate. Yeah. yeah and so, the West Side Story guys show up. Love incarnate. <laughs> He's a hate incarnate. Boy, boy. That brick wall boy. is real incarnate. I'm holding it up. <laughs> Ms. Cooper wants you. This is, like, this is like a child's version of the Odyssey. It's like now we're on the yeah. island of, you know, hood- yeah. hoodlums and, and uh, you know, Cordova. <laughs> Let me vomit for you. The movie does slow down <laughs> here a bit until we get to um, until we get to the Reverend coming back. Uh, tell, yeah. us, tell us a story, Eddie. Uh, so and then Lillian Gish holds the movie for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I guess thematically that's a that's a good way of putting it. Like, okay, now they're on this adventure until yeah. Well, it kinda needs back. to establish it kinda like because every adult so far has just been the worst. <laughs> like yeah. they've just adults in this movie suck in every direction. So we actually kinda have to have a little bit of time of her just being No, it's cool, you can trust her. You yeah. Can, it's okay. Of like, course at that point you're sort of set up for it to do like the, the rope a dope on you and be like, She sucks too. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah and then right, she right. eats them. Then yeah. she actually and cooks them in the Which them. by the way, I want to point out that this takes place over them. quite like maybe a month or so. Yeah. So this is like the two fortnights of the hunter. Like this isn't the night of the hunter. <laughs> yeah. This is like the month or so of the hunter. Well, everything's night, Teague. 
in the Sylvia Plath even, sense of the even word. Daytime yeah, I mean nighttime. we're all we're all dying. See, he's separated by a screen. That represents Yeah. <laughs> it is nice the little bit where she takes out a Bible and she's like, Oh, I'm out. Oh, I know boy. where this is going. Oh, fuck that book. Crazy lady. She's gonna stab me with her. But yeah, th- this is you know, this is um the, I don't know of how many movies or stories um have two characters accessing the same mythology, the same, you know, stories essentially, the same and you bearing know, out I, two ideas. different interpretations and, of it. And like in direct opposition of each other, and they both are kind of used as weapons against each other. So, you know, and we'll get that when, you know, kind of Miss Cooper well, and him Star go Wars. head to head. No, the, the, no, but that's the force. <laughs> and then the dark side of the force. This is literally the exact same thing. We'll get there when they start singing Leaning on the Everlasting Arms at each other, which is essentially like the equivalent of eye laser fight. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is kind of like, this really is the, the, the exorcist in a sense of, you know. But but again, that's like that's the devil and God. This is like yeah. they're both accessing God. Like they're both accessing the same mythology, the same vi- images, the same morality. You know, I mean he he didn't he didn't sleep himself uh, sleep with his wife. He didn't sully himself. You know, he's he's doing God's work by killing. She's doing God's work by this. It's the same shit they're accessing, just in opposition to one another. And then they have their kaiju fight. Yeah, I yeah. wish. <laughs> Form of giant Jesus fist. <laughs> That'd be a good name for a band. I, I, Giant Jesus Fist. That's so that, sweet. That's hard, man. Oh. Mm-hmm. Is this movie different for you now that you're a papa? Um, yeah. Or did it did it I, I, like, stain you I, permanently I was, beforehand? I was, I was explaining this to people beforehand. I am more susceptible to sentimentality when it comes to kids and protecting kids. I am more like I do get I do find myself getting more angry when I see kids being sort of victimized uh i've known my kids for 10 seconds and i would burn you a 70 to the ground if <laughs> pretty much yeah. i mean and like it does happen overnight and like i you know a, a child especially like this where the child just all the child desires is to just be protected and receive the same protection as like anything else in the world um you know i i am i'm sort of sensitive to that sure yeah I, that's there there is a great little that that great little scene where he's he's talking about uh, you know the about the kings who washed up on shore, and she's like, "Well, there's only one king," and she, he he's said, like, no, you, "No, you said two. It sounded like you said two. And she's like, "I don't know why this matters to you, but <laughs> I'm gonna roll with it because it <laughs> <Right>. does." Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what your I don't know what this means. Clearly, but, you got some trauma going on. But kid, clearly, but. some it means something to you. So, I'm just, uh, yes, you're right. There was two. I I misspoke. Just I missed now. the significance of that, by the way, and maybe I'll get it more this time around. But what? what why did he say it sounded like you said two? Uh, probably because it was it. it the two he, kings are two dads. Like is that, I mean, that's how I read it. I I'm, I read it as the idea of two the two children, and he's talking about he he washed up with his sister right. on on the shore, yeah, and yeah. she was taken in. So yeah. he's saying, you know, he's talking about both of them. Well, the only reason I say the thing about the two dads is because what it does at the end here. That's it, does, it, Myrtle. it makes it makes an interesting <laughs> it, totally it makes an interesting choice at the end here when Harry is finally brought to justice, which I didn't see coming the first time I saw it, and which I actually had a problem with the first time I saw it. It it took me a while to sort of accept the ending. Um but you know, the two kings, you know, the patriarchs, it's all about the idea of like just needing like cuz Will is very much a blank <laughs> slate as a as a character and, and let alone as a parent they just want a parent they just want someone to like protect them and love them and their father ain't there to do it anymore so you know we kind of get more that way at the end when we you know when harry finally gets arrested yeah that guy is the picture of dipshit 
<laughs> Get out of here with your bow tie, are, asshole. That that girl just makes bad choices no matter which way she turns. It's like, <laughs> wow. This is a, this is a terrible town if those are Bye, your Travis. If you yeah. if you look at if you look at Robert Mitchum his career kind of up to this point, I I always say Robert Mitchum is kind of like the George Clooney of his day because <laughs> except for that arrest for pot smoking. Yeah. Well, but like Robert Mitchum like Every movie you saw Robert Mitchum in, with the exception of this, Cape Fear, and maybe one or two others, he was, oh, it was Robert Mitchum doing this. It's Robert Mitchum as this. It's Robert yeah. Mitchum as that. It's he Robert was no Mitchum method guy. He was, yeah, he was just, he was Robert Mitchum. You were casting Robert Mitchum, yeah. and you got Robert Much Mitchum. Much like George Clooney in this. George yeah. Clooney in that. Yeah. But Humphrey Bogart. This one, you very, it's, it's not Robert Mitchum. Like, he's, he's Harry Powell. Like, yeah. he, this is like one of the only times, and even in Cape Fear, I think, because the Cape Fear that he was in is very different than the De Niro one. Uh, whereas the De Niro one, he's very much like a, a monster, like this half, you know, like dream creature. But Robert Mitchum in this is he's not there. Like he's he's very much, all you see is Harry Powell. Yeah. And what's weird is and, and going and speaking in speaking of ways in which I'm not qualified to have a film commentary podcast. I just saw Psycho for the first time a few months <laughs> ago. And Norman Bates is fucking terrifying he's amazing and i find him from a modern vantage point i find him much scarier than reverend powell but that might be because what norman bates is doing is is subtle menace what he's doing here is like the opposite of subtle like he's he's not the movie wants you to think that he's being subtle but he's clearly not he's oafish and dumb and his his all of his symbolism should be evident yeah, to all the townspeople. Like, why doesn't the entire town right. go? Oh my god, he's a monster. Whereas in Norman Bates' case, like he is such a goddamn creeper. Where it's it's way I find it more scary from a modern vantage point, and probably it was about as scary at the same time. Like I, I think that Bates is as scary as he ever was, and this guy's getting less scary as the overall sort of film language moves towards more subtlety with these kind of characters. Mm-hmm. And he's just sort of standing out as like this you know artifact of you could get away with that as scary. Yeah. I mean, what he's saying is scary, but I don't find his performance that scary. <laughs> oh, what a crown of thorns I've borne. Yeah, I've had it rough. I've had it so rough. I have had to kill. I can't even tell you how many women I've had to kill and chasing these kids. It's been rough. And, he, and I love this here. He's trying to do the love-hate thing again yeah. on her, and she is just not yeah. having it. Yeah, she's, she's not right buying it. it at all. There's the, Part of the reason why I think this film is worth another look now Um we're having this larger discussion as we should about, you know, female characters, how they're described and how they're depicted and how they're written. And I think a lot of people, when they say like, Oh, I want a strong female character. I think to some people, mostly men, a strong female character is someone like black widow who (laughs) just kicks ass. But all you're doing is transposing masculine traits onto a female. That's all you're doing. And, And her character to me is, extraordinarily feminine extraordinarily maternal and from that is her strength yeah. and and she is strong but completely a woman at the same time her, she's not just trying to be you know like scarlett johansson is kicking dudes oh that's how you demonstrate strength yeah. you just can you can draw a straight physicality. line from from lillian gish here to uh sally field and places in the heart absolutely you know, that's absolutely that, that character i mean that's Places in the Heart, which, and if you haven't seen it, that's a movie that uh, pulls a couple of uh, little weird left hooks on you uh, that's uh, like, wow. And actually, similar setting. And I actually, even Places in the Heart maybe mm-hmm. uh, owes a hat tip to this. I mean, she basically looks like Sally Field. Yeah. Yeah, that's but, a good point. But it brings up the look. idea of like, you know, this kind of life is like, uh, you know, now we have sort of the stereotypical joke about, well, she's a housewife. It's like, well, even being a housewife, <laughs> let's be honest, is easier than it used to be. You know, it's like it's still okay. We're not making light of the fact that being a housewife means is that means that is hard. But imagine like depression era housewife yeah. and 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 places in the heart. Right. 
brings that home. It's like among the things you had to do as a depression era housewife is if your husband died, they would bring him home and put him on your kitchen table and you had to prep him to for burial. <laughs> that was part of the day. That's it's like here. Yeah. Here he is. Brought him back for you. And here's so, when Harry. You're welcome. This yeah. is when Harry becomes completely less threatening than he was before because he's exposed for exactly what he is like yeah. here. He's just, you know, when confronted with his, a his, strong woman, his glamour is removed. When, yeah. when confronted with an actual strong woman, he doesn't know what the fuck to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and this is the scene I posted uh, here. This is what I'm talking about. Like they're, they're accessing the exact same song and, uh, and that's what they do battle with. It's the same shit, but just the interpretation yeah, it's so you different. Go. You Speaking go, of lady. his mother, fucking yeah, with yeah. a gun. I was gonna say the other straight line you could draw here. You could draw a straight line from Lillian Gish in this to uh, Aaron Brockovich. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think. I think like because I mean very much, you know, Julia Roberts' character, and yeah, it's a true story. But still, the depiction of it is it, she's a mother first, and then from that comes everything else. Yeah. Her desire to get a job is to you know provide for her family. Her desire to do this is because she feels that maternal pull, that that very feminine pull to do so. And yeah, a woman is not defined clearly by anything maternal, but you know, it's 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 also not absent of it either. This There's is, a really like supernatural vampire movie feel to this. Absolutely, like, he's yeah. not invited in, so he's just yeah. right outside. I'll just, I'll just mm-hmm. you know project my glamour in the house and see if I can draw somebody out. Yeah. And this song is her ward or her charm, like yeah. essentially keeping him on the outside. You know. So, yeah, the, the thing about this movie overall is the first half of it, it's just kind of meandering its way toward what it really is, which is this back half where yeah. it's like, okay, when it, when it can really, when Lawton can really yeah. settle in with his like stage stylized, you know, extreme, you know. Like, Love that. Thing. Yeah, that's a nice little move there. And then um, when the like, handle goes away, he's gone. Yeah. Boom. Love that. That's Zip. extraordinarily creepy. Yeah. It's like he really is like Freddy Krueger now. But, you know, th- this is where this is why the movie is memorable. It's yeah. like the first half is kind of like, eh, but, but, you know, as soon as as soon as, uh, as soon as Shelley Winters goes in the river, the movie, the movie knows <laughs> the movie what kicks it, it over. The movie time, knows yeah. what it's doing from there on. Assemble yeah. animal friends of nature. Yes. <laughs> I am Aquaman. I and now you. tear each other apart. But yes. no, that that that's obviously the predatory thing. The owl, and the bunny rabbit and. What Did, was there a string on that owl? They just yanked that owl down. Yep, yep. yep. That, that's By the neck. Before dun, you, dun, yeah. Before dun, you really dun, dun, well, <laughs> take that, Hedwig. Before you really, uh, you know, trained animals. I guess they were just like and yank and yeah. his. Well, art, his I mean, that's we recall. That's how they got all that cool shit with the moths and Silence of the Lambs. So they just tied them with red and just kind of like, dra- yeah. like it's trying to fly away and they're just like dragging it around where they and wanted they to go be. in circles. Yeah. One of my one of my. Um, in high school, one of my teachers, you know, sometimes they show movies because fuck it, we're not, I don't feel like it today. And uh, the Ornery King Herod. I love that. Yeah, he was ornery, ornery as hell. It was, it wasn't Beast Master, but it was another one. <laughs> it was like, wow, something master, hell of a, hell like of a school. Steel Master. Or Page something. Master? No, but it was, it was oh, some, guess, though. it was some weird movie that no one really saw, but he loved it because it was so mystery science theater cheese. Okay. And there's a scene where I'm sure it wasn't Beastmaster. There's a there's a scene where I think it's like yeah, uh I Iron Master, I think was okay. was what it was, because it's about these the these two caveman tribes ah. who discover iron weapons. Oh wow. Um, okay. And uh the but there's a scene where the the main guy has to like fight a lion like they're being attacked by a lion but it's it's these cuts the, the it was so such this cheap movie and it was shot you know god knows where and so there was a lion in a tree it was up in in a tree <laughs> and you can pretty much literally see 
from off screen the stick they're poking it with <laughs> to try and not just not aggravate it to try and push it out of the tree and they've got these these roaring sound effects and stuff and it's like oh no it's leaping for us and they and it cuts to the the lion actually just falling completely <laughs> gracelessly out of this oh, tree it's one of the greatest things i've ever seen she straight up clipped him. Yeah. yeah. The noise he makes is very strange. Yeah. <laughs> he keeps making it He over makes and over a again. series of bizarre sounds yeah. in this movie. He's a Tuscan Raider. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's not, you know, and again, it's not. Yeah, now she calls the cops. Well, because now a crime's been committed. Yeah, really. You know? That's how, you know, not until he, if he comes in your house, then you can shoot him. And that's how Harry met Sally. Stand your yeah. ground. That's how I met your mother. <laughs> <laughs> well, your father was done going trying to stab some of these yeah. children. And so, yeah, it's this, it's this odd thing where it's like Lillian Gish is like this, you know, she's the one, the one true person, one mm-hmm. true hero in this movie. It's like, mm-hmm. no, this, no, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> totally fuck that guy. I don't care what he says. I don't care what he does. I don't like him. I don't like his bad face. And I'm just going to sit. I do love that line. I do love that line. Children are man at the strongest. They abide and they endure. Uh, Well, the endure part comes later. And the world isn't safe to the small or whatever she says. Mm -hmm. I I wish this movie made that more of a theme and less of a passing line. Yeah, it it doesn't really tack it on till the end. Uh, It would have been nice to kind of thread that from the beginning. Uh, (laughs) Fucking yeah. guy. Well, here's a tough conference. He oh, here he is sucks. Here he, he just comes. Sucks. Yeah. He's like, no, no, I'm yeah, hi. It's me. I give up. Totally give but up. But this is where the it makes a really interesting choice because because now he's got like weird the Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, kind of. PTSD. Yeah, but just, that's what he. That's what he. And like that's all he wants. All he wants is a dad. Right. Well, because he lost his dad, and yeah. it's really the, it's it's law. all about the money. Like this money has ruined his life, yeah. and that's why he's like, yeah. just get rid, please, just take it away. Take and this money. I don't want to have to deal with it ever <laughs> anymore. Let me guess. Is like, wait, hold up, ho, oh, what, what? Ho, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's wait a depression, a kid. Come here. Yeah, now they're like, ah, oh, now, now we hate him. I man. hated him from the beginning. Yeah, I was, yeah, he's no good. Twenty five. Good lord. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they established that he, you know, in the beginning, that he's done. He's this yeah. kind of thing. He's been doing the Lord's work for a while. Yeah. I like that they never show him again. Mm-hmm. You never see him again in the in the film. It does what our society should do, which is not put attention on the killer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. Hell with that guy. Hmm. Stylized, and, much? and he can't even bit. look at it. Yeah. He's like a dog. Is, where is when you try him? to point, the dog just looks at your finger. Yeah, really. Is that him? No, sir. That's Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> no, not him. That's a picture. Look in three dimensions. Yeah. <laughs> This whole movie, like, just everyone else is in this three-dimensional world, but John's constantly in Flatland. Yeah, yeah right. Like, what a, and what a bizarre thing. What's what's uh, what's Santa going to bring you for Christmas? And she, t- like, the judge asks, and she tells him. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting a watch. He's going to love it. Remember, yeah. you remember you are under oath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we got him some new roller skates and uh, a likely story. A Mercedes. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna wrap is... an apple in a paper towel and give it to him, <laughs> and then take the towel. And back. then I mean, I'll need that towel after that. What but... Do you think I'm made of towels? <laughs> it's the depression. <laughs> what do you think towels grow on trees? <laughs> we have to make these towels out of trees. <laughs> Apples do, but that's never mind. We're getting off the point. Man, they hate them. Yeah, really. <laughs> Shit. Like, boy, we hate having our illusions ruined. Arr! That's no, and that's very astute. That's not that's my worldview. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> Preserve my worldview. You know what I noticed? <laughs> this is what you get for ruining the status quo. That guy, that guy actually just hit the building yep. with his with his piano badge. He's like, ah, building. 
There's some inherent I'll bug. Have, hey, okay, we're getting the fuck out of here yeah, because right. I. There's for, some inherent bug in human nature that when we're in oh, crowds. Oh, the torches! Let's go. And I love that <laughs> she's not concerned. She just wants to get home. She's yeah, like, just, just okay, get away from you know, all this shit. This is why I live in the suburbs. When <laughs> with a shotgun. When we gather in crowds, we tend to just. That's hate. like a Polynesian beheader <laughs> weapon that, in the background. Crazy though, candy lady's got a freaking axe. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Have some got, fudge and hand me my axe. Game of Thrones all of a second. <laughs> oh my god, not you too. Suddenly it's like Night of the Living Dead. It's like, alright, come home. Come on, come on. We can still cure you. <laughs> Look at this shot. This is great. That must have that's that that's that wall at Universal, that endless yeah, wall of yeah, brick really. that I showed everybody. Yeah, really. I, I did a job at the Universal lot and on in New York Town there's this gigantic fifty foot wall of brick. It's just that. Yeah. It's just a huge this infinite wall of brick. It's like who builds that? Now we're back to this guy. No. Like, yeah, because right. he killed, I was wrong. We do see him. He killed the yeah, husband the first time, and he washed his hands of it. Yeah, yeah. literally and figuratively. Yeah. yeah, he's like, oh, I can't wait time to kill that like, guy. Yeah, fuck this guy. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> he got away before. I'm gonna keep it's a my dead job. Man's party. I was gonna retire, but now I'm gonna hang around. This is gonna be good. And you can't end a movie so steeped in Christian mythology than on the birth of the Savior. It's beginning yeah. to look a lot like. No, it's Murder. not. It's not. It doesn't look like Christmas. It's not. It doesn't. Look. Yeah. Soap flakes. Yeah. Everyone gets cleaned. <laughs> it can burn your eyes. Well, you see, the soap, the, the soap flakes are a symbol for cleanliness. That was a, that was an odd moment so where she's like, "I nobody yeah. sent me Christmas cards, and I don't give a damn." Yeah, that's if right. If they sent me Christmas that's, cards, I'd be offended. I, if I cared, I'd have run out here barefoot in the snow. But yeah. I didn't do that. Well, I did do that, but that was just to verify. Just, never mind. Let's it's do just some. like, oh, just how's the stew? Yeah. Just to make sure that they didn't offend me a with their holder. Christmas cards. Well, so, I mean, this is obviously very much a Christmas movie. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. totally Christmas. Wow. In the end, it's a, just a, it's a wonderful life with a different uh, setup. You know, that's right. I've been meaning to show this to my father-in-law Apples forever. Apples are gross in black and white. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it, you know, I, that's like I'm going to see them balls. this Christmas. So. <laughs> Aw. They are. Oh. Not he the doily. No- well, he has nothing to give her. He just wants to make it look hey, nice. Hey, it's one of those Charlie Brown popcorn lines. Yep. That used to be a thing. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, used we to used be. to do that. I, I did that growing up. I did popcorn. Yeah. It is a thing no longer. We used to pop I a thing of popcorn. It's a thing in the We used to pop south. a thing of popcorn, do a needle and thread. Yeah, no, yeah. That's, we did oh. that. But I, again, my grandparents are from the south. So. Like, oh, it's an apple from the, oh, the other room. From the other. She should wow. just be like, thanks, yeah. dick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, put you that gave one. me my Ta- apple yeah, the, in yeah, my doily. Yeah, tell you what, why don't you put that with the others? That's great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can you put this back now? I know just where to put this. There's a yeah. Walks in, keeps eye contact yeah. the whole time. Walks into the other room, puts it exactly yeah. where it was. And won't this look nice underneath? Oh, that's lovely. Oh, I'm gonna put this exactly where it was. <laughs> These are William Gish was old as shit in '55, and yeah. she lasted to. 93 yeah she yeah. saw jurassic park my god <laughs> yeah yeah mm. yeah she breaks the fourth wall here yeah it's just like that's how we know the movie's over she can see into your soul she's like hannibal lecter now but to be fair they did establish she talks to herself earlier yeah like, in fact that's, a line. that's, that's yeah. the bookend yeah, yeah. well one it. way of reading it would be that like at the beginning she's a dream and then she came true in the end because in the beginning it's this weirdo optical yeah and now it's just a lady in her Idyllic Christmas kitchen with yeah. her idyllic apple. Thank you. She's and up there somewhere. Princess Leia hair. Uh, Circles. 
Apple, what was I thinking? So stupid. God, I'm the worst. I, sh- I should have got her some popcorn string. I'm going to go steal her the best <laughs> gift. Then she'll love me forever. I'm going to get my knuckles tattooed. How did she find out that he had a thing, like a hard-on for a stopwatch? <laughs> a for watch. Yeah. She walked in on him masturbating to a watch. fucking gish. Maybe it was just like a general... Uh, oh, it's boy, it's, it's like a nice watches. gift sort of thing at the time. Yeah, no, Jesus, no, because yeah. it because early on he there's a bit where they're walking into town. And he's yeah. just like gazing in, he in loves desire the, yeah, at, at the watch, at the pocket watch. Wait, wait it's it's wink. the same scene. It's the same scene where the kids are singing about his dead father. Oh, that was a good scene. <laughs> she doesn't really directly break fourth wall. Yeah, but she doesn't look at the camera. Cl- it's close. Yeah, yeah. And she just rip her face off, and she's an alien. <laughs> <laughs> And there we have it. So yeah, I you know, it's I don't know if it's a movie I'm going to come back to, but if I do come back to it, it'll probably be because in like five or ten years I'll be like, man, I got to go back to that because I, I you know the first time I saw this, I it didn't hit me that hard, and then I found myself like thinking about it a lot. It's kind of you know, there this, there are movies that are easier to watch from the fifties, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, but this one and Martin Scorsese. Oh, that's the for the okay, the that's for the, that's for the yeah. Criterion part. Maybe but like five, uh, then. yeah, Eddie Doty. I mean, it's just like I said, uh, look, uh, the following conversation has never happened. Honey, I'm bored. What should we do tonight? Hey, let's watch Night of the Hunt. No, that's never happened. It never will happen. But that's okay. Why do you think artists like this movie so much? Look at it. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's striking. Like, I mean, as the best use of the word striking when it comes to art, there's stuff that you can't like. I mean, just even like as we're watching the menu loop over just some of these images, uh, they don't escape your head easily. They stick with you. It's just like you said, it stuck with you after one viewing. You're going to remember this movie. This movie is memorable, if not like the most pleasurable or enjoyable experience you've ever had. It sticks with you. Um, yeah. It's not as disturbing as something as say like, you know, Requiem, but... Thanks, Eddie. You gave me yeah. Night of the Hunter. I saw, no. I, saw, I saw Sunset Boulevard just randomly on television when I was like eight. Yeah. And I will never stop seeing William Holden in that pool. Yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> like that as, image. As an eight-year-old, I'm like, ah, or, that's burned into my brain for life. Or when she says, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeVille, and she, she does break the fourth wall. Yeah. Those things stick with you. And and like that, this does. But because of the nature of this, because of the time and the imagery used and the, 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 whole, the complete uniqueness of it, it's going to stick with you in a way that maybe some other films don't. Uh, even movies that you enjoy more, you know, at least for me. And like, I don't watch this very often. Again, it's been about a year since I've seen it. And then prior to that, a few years prior to that. But once in a blue moon, I'm like, I think I should watch Night of the Hunter because it's still got something to offer and still got something. Because to I've done something to deserve it. And, and, <laughs> yeah, because really, I've been bad. Like I need I said, to learn me that lesson again. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk in the culture today about um, the portrayal of women and how they're far too often objectified. And to me, this is a proto feminist movie in some ways like an yeah. anti-misogyny and it's it's still got something to say regarding to that so i think there's still value to be had in, in, this, in this movie clears the bechdel test by a mile yeah it's just <laughs> oh that's what i'm saying like it's just it's but not, only in the only in the back half yeah in yeah the first so, half it's all about not clearing the bechdel exactly test. and like I, I i just feel like this movie still has something to offer still has something to say and movies like that deserve to be watched once in a while Dork man um well I got uh, what I wanted out of this. I appreciate it more yeah. uh, having having had this conversation. Uh, I would probably, I think I'd agree that I'm not likely to just be like, hey, we should watch Night of the Hunter, pop some popcorn and put it on string. <laughs> Good first date movie. Let's yeah. get to know each other um, <laughs> by watching Night of the Hunter. And after that, City of God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but however, I Maria think... Maria full of grace. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad to have seen it for the 
imagery like we were talking about this is a this is a movie i will revisit when i'm gonna be shooting something yeah um for sure and just look at stuff and like wow that's you know burn burn this kind of thing into my brain yeah. as as we're going out but um i mean that's the main thing i may um i might be interested in hearing some of the behind the scenes stuff on it you know the, on we've got this criterion um you know there's the criterion blu-ray and stuff uh that i might check out but um yeah i would like to see this up yeah on uh so thank you for curating this and introducing me to it yeah i did it Trey Stokes. <laughs> yeah, this is the closest uh, uh, we've come, I think, in any movie we've ever done to to basically just like, okay, look, <laughs> we're gonna watch this one. All right, um, <laughs> take this movie. Yeah, it is like, medicine. It's like yeah, it's a film school thing, and uh, it's it's the kind of movie you'd watch in film school with the same kind of idea of like, look, this is not a movie that you're gonna go, wow, I can't wait to show this to my kids. Um, yeah, this yeah. movie isn't ET. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> but, she, but you know, but but it's still. As we started us, it's, it's been so influential. You know, it's the the, rip, the ripples that spread outward from this little weird, crazy movie. You know, still are still echoing, and and uh, just because of and it doesn't necessarily work as a whole itself, but yet it has all these components to it that are so interesting and striking and so on. And it's it's, it's kind of the equivalent of you know we have in the forum all the time like oh yeah this movie this obscure movie someone will say it's like yeah it's a terrible movie but it has the most amazing chase scene i've ever seen yeah you know, it's like well right. you know this this movie doesn't have any chase scenes well it does but they're not you know what you think <laughs> of very slow it's on horseback but uh and only one person is on a horse but um <laughs> and he's singing but still it's like you know here at here at uh here at uh friends in your head we you know it, we're we like to do more than just like that bat suit has nipples. I mean, you know, we're, we're about really getting doing the deep dive. And uh, so, hey, welcome to film school, y'all. That's why we do the curated movies. They're the movies that you probably don't ever even want to see or may never want to see again. But you should see. But take your medicine. So. Uh, so, yeah. And, and for me, I you know I'm glad, too, because, as I said, Night of the Hunter was not part of my you know, lexicon until last night. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, that, okay, that's what that is that from. I get it now, you know. And, uh, and this whole era of low-budget, noirish, there's a lot of crazy, creepy, weird mm-hmm. stuff going on in movies that otherwise are the equivalent of their era of the asylum or not much better. But there's stuff in them that someone just happened to, however they did it or... You know, it's it's you go, oh, wow. You know, that's you know, that's Martin Scorsese saw that in the crib and and stuck with him the rest of his life. Like stumbled you, upon what would become a trope. Yeah, exactly. You can see these amazing things that people people have have come up with. So. Uh, so, yeah, I'm uh, like I said, yeah, do I do I love Night of the Hunter? Well, I wouldn't say that I love it, but I'm so glad that I finally have seen it because it's like, oh, I totally get why this is a thing. I get why this is a movie that constantly gets referenced, even though it's pushing 60 years old now this has been what are you doing movie you can always find more episodes at friendsinyourhead.com go to the forum involve yourself in the conversation it's a great community of people go to itunes subscribe it's a brand new episode every single week twitter.com slash friends in your head facebook friends in your head friends in your head at gmail.com buy our shirts give us money there's a big paypal button we're not asking we're just saying holden hill design and maintain the website until next time my name is t christy eddie dirty nice tap trace dokes and thank you very much for listening good night good night abide betwixt <laughs> abide <laughs> the canning ladies abide betwixt and if you didn't like this movie, we'll just lie back and think of your canning. Yeah. <laughs> Trendsinyourhead.com.